0: what's up everybody and welcome back thank you for joining us here on the boot sports network for another episode of Boots to Balls, where we are ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you again we are not in our usual home over in the capital city and that's Brett's fault uh, Producer Brett, no. now it's Thanksgiving week. We're not mad yes. at him at all. Uh, he decided to go hang out, spend some time with family in Utah, of all places. Who'd have thunk it? If you'd said, where do you think Producer Brett is from? I don't think Utah would have been in the top five guesses. However, now that everybody knows, um, it's, it's nobody's surprised. I'd just like everybody.
1: to point out that I'm not Mormon. That makes a I lot no of sense. no issues with Mormons, but I'm not Mormon.
2: Thank you no. for adding that unlovingly, too.
1: So for
0: those of you who are joining us for the first time, I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Joining me, as always, the beautiful to my bald, the one and only Don Ronald, Donald Dunn. How are you, my friend? Oh,
2: well, it's another good week. I enjoy Thanksgiving. Always a good time to get to sit down and have a dedicated day of football and eating. Is there much better in this fine world? No especially not in this fine state. And then, of
0: course, producer Brett, who left this fine state on his way to Utah. But thanks to the marvels of modern technology, got us up live streaming. We are going to be taking your comments live throughout the episode. So if there's anything that you have that you would like to uh, to add to the show, please feel free to comment as you see fit. Producer Brett will uh, will let us know, and we'll do our best to Get those comments into the show. Uh, speaking of comments, we're going to kick it to the comments to get things started. From the last show, Charlotte said, great show this week. Thank you very much. She also said, go Jaden. And he did. And yes. we're going to talk about that yeah, in did. just a little bit. And then she said, Saints win this week. Oops, they have a bye. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't win, but they, win. They didn't lose. They didn't and lose. They're at the top That's of the division. They're still top of the division. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the program as well. So that's a win for me. She also gave us a prediction for last week's LSU game, and we will add that in with ours when we look back to see how we all did. And I'm going to let you know up front, Charlotte, if you're watching, if you're with us and you're paying attention, you did it's pretty funny good last week.
1: you say that because she commented, Happy Thanksgiving, guys. LSU 42, Aggies 24. Don't know what to say for the Saints. Do hope they get a win.
0: Yeah, ah, well, we we hope they get a win, too. I like that prediction. We will add that in with ours when we get to later in the program. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Charlotte. Thanks for being a big fan here of the Boots Sports Network. All right, Donald, you ready to jump in and get started? Let's go and do it. All right, go so good. we didn't have any Saints football. So no. let's talk about LSU, who surprised absolutely nobody, stomping Georgia State 56-14. to 14. Jump into 14th in the AP and the CFP. That Absolutely. was a good day. We all out there for that game. Y'all have been out there for most all
2: of the home games this season. If not all, have you not? Yeah. So, uh, was I was, came thing? in a little bit. Yeah. I came in a little bit late that day. Brett was out bright and early and I uh, went to the game. I had some, I was, I guess I was entertaining, but kept a close eye on the game. And, uh, man jaden paid out for everybody and played out for everybody if you get what i'm saying
1: oh well when i was out there funny story i uh got a random seat and i sat next to this really nice guy named ryan hopefully ryan's watching the show i did send him a link and he uh, was like super obsessed with stats in the best of ways. And he pulled out in the middle of the game, the Florida Mizzou game. And I was like, why are you watching Florida Mizzou? Like it's good football, but like we're, we're at Tiger stadium. We're watching good football in front of us. And he, he brought up a good point to me. Um, he said, if Florida beats Mizzou, they'll break the tiebreaker. And it looks like Tulane, if they win out is going to go to the peach bowl and Mizzou, If they lose this game, we'll go to the the Peach Bowl. And I said, okay. And he's like, but if they lose this game, LSU wins the tiebreaker and goes to the Peach Bowl. Meaning LSU, the Tulane, that which is too lame to win against LSU. So I bring this up because Florida somehow ruined a 4th and 17 defense because they're Florida. And now we have to rely this weekend. Everyone should root for Ark and Seesaw because if they beat Mizzou, then we are really looking at the battle for the rag part two electric boogaloo.
0: Brett, we need you and I, as much as we've discussed it all season long, we need to come to terms with the wager of all wagers. Should Ooh. LSU face Tulane in any bowl game. We need to start thinking about that because I think that's a thing that needs to happen. I are agree. you are you feeling lucky? I'm feeling very lucky. i tell you what, if I'm forced to take Tulane, I'm feeling very unlucky. And this thing hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> so, one thing where uh, I bet you Donald's happy he didn't bet on last week. Mm. Part of his predictions, despite Jaden's outstanding performance yet again... Donald said he thought LSU was going to go for 800 total yards. That was a bit lofty. Uh, oh, they did all right, though. They came up with a measly 582.
2: Oh, wow. Just missed it. Just
0: missed it. It's just, I mean, 582 all-purpose yards. That's outstanding for any team in any league, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, whether you're in uh, pros, mm-hmm. Canadian football league. Mm-hmm uh 582 is a lot a lot of yards jaden put up another heisman trophy performance with a hand in all 8 of lsu's touchdowns six passing on the way to amassing 413 passing yards he was 25 of 30 no picks two rushing touchdowns as he again mm. led the tigers in rushing with 96 yards on 10 carries by the way jaden daniels with that performance now becomes the second player in SEC history to be responsible for eight touchdowns in a single game. You guys want to take a, a, a stab? Actually, I don't, I don't know who's out there, who's watching, who's listening, but I want to throw it to the comments for a second. I'll give you a moment. Who is the only other player in SEC history responsible for eight touchdowns in a single game? I think everybody here knows it.
2: But Did anybody
0: was, guess it online?
2: Nobody got it on the live. Do Y'all I tell to them, them who it'd be.
0: Tell them who it'd be. It, it be Joe Johnny Burrow? Renzel, right? No, it is Joe Burrow. Oh. Joe Burrow. I the I wanted to say the GOAT, but after but, this man, season, Jaden may actually be goats. the GOAT. The previous GOAT. Joe Burrow, the only other player in SEC history to be responsible for eight touchdowns in a single game. So, finally, fantastically, after that amazing performance, according to the sports books, Jaden Daniels, right where he deserves to be, atop the board at minus 130 odds of winning the Heisman Trophy. For those of you that don't bet, don't understand pluses or minuses, yep. If you're a minus, you're a favorite. That means you are likely to win the trophy. Bo Nix drops to second at plus one forty. Michael Penix Jr. rounds out the top three at plus five hundred. So finally, Dave, I don't have to I'm, say it anymore.
1: Dave, quick question: um, When did you first start paying? If you had to guess a year, when did you first start paying attention to college football?
0: When did I start? When did I start liking it? Or when did I start? Well, I was going to say?
1: How old were you when you first started watching games?
0: I was a kid. Oh, I was an absolute. I like. I was, and oh, we've talked 80s? about this in previous episodes. We grew up right around the block from Tulane University. Disgusting. My dad and I used to go throw footballs on the if, Tulane if you University. you year
1: out there. What year would you say that would have been?
0: Oh God, going back to my earliest memories, I'd have to say early '80s. So like '81, '82, '83. I mean, I was well, born in '78. Well, in myself 1982, was, when, listen,
1: Dave, in 1982. When Bo Nix was a freshman in college, was was he as respected and liked as he is now? Because uh, I wasn't a so I have a frame of reference.
0: I, nobody knew who he was then. He was a redshirt freshman, and he was absolute garbage. Yeah. Um, it, it took him a little while to work up to Heisman caliber. But, I mean, I look at him now, and he still oh, has four more history. years of eligibility. So <laughs> Exactly. I mean, good on Bo Nix. How many, seriously I, I joke and i kid i'm just kind of going along with the joke how many years has he been in i think he's this is like year 6 it's, for him no, isn't it surprisingly like he actually
2: seven. started in 2019 no oh. I, I know it would have i, I, I earlier at, right i think i think the records have been scrubbed i think they've been written over Dude, because, because I I i've been
1: hearing his name exactly through when, through when i was a much high younger school. Man.
2: like oh no man but, you know, you know. shout out to Bo Nix. Way to make a use of all those years of eligibility. We always talk about, do we have any more eligibility left? Bo Nix made sure he used every ounce of it. Well, let me
0: tell uh-huh. you, uh, y'all better remember the name Bo Nix, because after next week, I don't think you're going to be hearing it for a good long while. No
2: more do I. No more
0: We're going to be getting into our predictions later in the episode. Um, LSU. Texas A&M, Texas A&M, to put it nicely, is an out-of-control dumpster fire right now. Yes, They they just are. No disrespect to anybody out there in Texas A&M land, but with that whole Jimbo Fisher coaching situation and not knowing where the team is. And look, if y'all manage to beat us, I will eat my words. We got burnt in the dumpster fire, but I don't believe it's going to happen. LSU currently undefeated in Death Valley this year. They have a chance to close out unbeaten. Eleven a.m., which kind of sucks that it's an early yeah. game, but whatever.
1: Um, hey, can I can I say something on that?
2: I'm gonna leave that no. for the end of the show okay, so sure. you can have yeah, a proper yeah. rant. But um, if I if I can jump in real quick, so I want to talk about a little bit before we entirely. I like how you George both Street. think you have to jump in like you're not part of the show. I like to jump like <laughs> in, I like to settle in, you know, kind of get. Where it's the debate. Dave and two other guys show. That's not what we do here. You know, All right, come on, Thomas. But, yeah, so if we look at before Georgia State, uh, before we leave Georgia State, this is truly a moment we need to stop and appreciate. With another game to go, right now you have Jaden Daniels, who is 433 yards passing away from joining the 4,000, 1,000-yard rushing club which is exclusive territory in its own right. And if he ends up getting that, I think that's going to not only submit him as, you know, obviously the Heisman definite, but it also puts him into a position where you have to wonder like, okay, out of all college quarterbacks, we talk about, you know, not to mention his career statistics, which he's going to be pushing, I believe, 13,000 passing yards, which is just truly in sort of an elite territory. You know, you're going to be talking about Jay Daniels. Is he one of the best college quarterbacks that ever played? Which is where we had to put Joe Burrow after his one of a kind season. So, you know, he's basically on the pace to pass RG3, to pass Lamar, to pass Johnny Menzel, these more athletic, mobile quarterbacks of the recent modern times. Honestly, I don't think if he is able to get to this next statistical category, that there's going to be any reason to say that any of those three. Are a better college quarterback than Jaden. hold on. Give me those numbers again. How far off is he from that? So he surpassed 1,000 yards rushing. So he has that secured with 10 touchdowns. Done. Already done. He is four touchdowns away from hitting the 40 touchdowns in the regular season mark. And he's, and again, that's with missing almost an entire quarter in Alabama. And I think he he hits that easy. And he's 433 yards of passing away from hitting the 4,000 yard passing mark in a single season. I would hate to see him miss that. Yeah, and
0: I he think had 413 passing yards against Georgia State in that route. 433 might be high unless Brian Kelly knows and oh, yeah. he really wants to push for for Jaden to hit that. I don't think that the Texas A&M defense is going to put up a lot of resistance. So I think if you see him get it, it's because they were intentionally trying to do it. Uh,
2: ooh, and then that—that's a good
0: prop bet right there, just what for you... fun
2: because you know we have to continue to have fun. You have Malik Neighbors who's currently sitting with fourteen hundred twenty-four uh, reception yards, which if he goes above fifteen hundred just on a regular day for Malik, that's already. Rarified air, even amongst LSU territory, you're getting into national territory. Not to mention the guy on the other side, Brian Thomas Jr. is currently leading the NCAA still in passing touchdowns. I don't know who the guy in Ohio State is, but I hear his dad's pretty good. Nah, eh, well, nah,
0: eh, well, yeah. I tell you what, those would be some interesting prop bets. You found stats that I wasn't that I wasn't ready for. Um, I'd like to throw I would a have a
2: bit of interesting details out there.
0: We could have thrown that into predictions. Do we or do we not think? Well, let's or, okay, so That's let's not do it for predictions. But let's a real time. quick. Real no, correct. Well, let's talk about it now. Does Jaden get 433
2: against Texas A&M? Okay, live right now, I would say Live right now. If I have to be honest and, you know, no disrespect I would, to the season to Jaden, I'm going to have to say he misses it probably by 50 yards or less. I think he's going to put on a day. I think he's going to really show out, but I don't know if he's going to have quite enough to get right over the hump. All right. So
0: trying to pull up the Texas A&M stats, they're seven and four, which well, is not here, a bad here's record. Here's
1: the thing about Texas A&M. They're either the greatest team in college football or the worst team in college football. And there's no in between. And, and that's how wrong. it's been every week for through the Jimbo era because Texas A&M has that oil money, and in the age of NIL and transfer portal, money buys players. It's sad, but it's true. That's how they got the number one top recruiting class or top five recruiting class like five times in a row while having some of the worst losing records um, in the SEC, right? So I am going to go ahead and say, as much as it pains me to say it, I don't know if Jaden makes it, because these a and players probably are like... Sigh of relief Jimbo's out let's show them what team we are that new whoever their in rib coaches I, I'm ignorant on who it is um probably is going to be like come on let's rally and show them this is this is their Super Bowl they hate lSU I have a bunch of am friends and they hate us they see us as their Alabama so um random yeah I, I don't know why, but yeah. they they really do like Donald I'm can back Texas me up on coming this.
2: back I, I can't deal with this. Again, Aggie is very much, uh, you know, feeling as though they've done something with us and whatever.
1: Yeah, so I I, I genuinely believe um, that they're going to – they might be the hardest game we play in Tiger Stadium. I think we're going to win. Uh, and Charlotte Hall – I'm sorry, sorry, no. The Easter Bunny does because she said, hello, guys. Good to see you all. J.D. will win. Oh, and L, She will beat ba- Aggie's bad. Happy Thanksgiving. We'd love Thanksgiving. Well, that's not your holiday, Easter Bunny, but Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. <laughs> and um,
0: it, it can it can be hers. I'm fine with
1: that. It can. So, um, I, I think their defense is going to put up a fight. However, I also think our offense is a goddamn freight train and will run through any defense in the country. So I think ultimately we'll win, but I don't know if Jaden's going to be setting all-time records as much as it pains me to say. I
2: hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. If you look at A&M's losses real quick, I mean, you can see they took the loss to Alabama. They let them put up 26 points. We saw what else she was able to do against that. They let Ole Miss put up 38 points. And other than that, they haven't had the worst performance. Miami was actually their worst defensive performance where they put up 48 so for comparing LSU to Miami offensively, you know Joe Burrow beat Texas A&M fifty to nothing his last game against the Aggies. So keep that in mind.
0: So I think it's going to be interesting. I found it took me forever to find, but the Texas A&M cumulative stats for the year, uh, they are allowing on average one hundred and eighty four passing yards per game. Total offense average per game, 286.5. Again, keep in mind, they're a 7-4 team. They've got a winning record. The whole Jimbo Fisher thing still confuses the bejesus out of me. I don't understand why they fired him when they did. There's got to be something that we don't know about. Um, I definitely think that Texas A&M is going to make it challenging, but you're also now under the leadership of, of a new coach. And what is that new coach's stance going to be? How does he have them practicing the new Orleans saints under Sean Payton versus the new Orleans saints under Dennis Allen? I mean, even, even when, when Sean Payton was the head coach, but he was out for bounty gate or when he was out uh, dealing with injury during various. the the teams are, are, are different even when they've been coached by that same person all throughout. Um, We could see, and and I don't know, I mean, there's maybe a couple, a handful of opponents that Texas A&M has played this year that are that high-octane offensive caliber of LSU. And LSU is the number one offense in the nation.
1: LSU LSU wins 100% of the time. Oh, you no, LSU wins. 10 out of 10 that yeah. wasn't the question, but, and we'll but,
0: we'll we'll leave our predictions when we I, get to the show. I do want to say this
1: to address two things you said. Number one, the reason they fired Jimbo when they did, there's several reasons. Number one... The reason they didn't fire him last year was they didn't have the money. I don't know if y'all saw that basketball game. I think it was a basketball game. The day before they fired him, they literally at halftime brought out a check the boosters paid him for 165 million dollars, and the next day he was gone. The reason they waited till now was they just didn't have the money. Now they paid it, and say it you will about Jimbo, but he's one at life. He's getting 20 grand for the next a day for the next 17 years. With that being said, um. Another reason they fired him when they did was if if they kept him on until the end of the season this is around the time those high school prospects start committing as well as the transfer portal starts opening up. December is the signing class they, window. Good job. They need to show these people that like you said A&M is a dumpster fire. They need to be like, "Hey guys, guys, trust us. We're not going to be a dumpster fire next year. I know we said it the last four years, but now we have proof. We fired him finally." And I, and I think that's the reason they did. But number 2, while their stats are weird, I heard this yesterday. I, I didn't check if it's true. I heard that A&M has the best defensive stats in the SEC right now.
2: Is that true, Donald? No, uh, they're pretty good. They're on par with the top five. Yeah. So they were,
0: they were strong looking at individual statistics. I didn't rank them against anybody else, but they are
2: strong. They're in the top half of the SEC, definitely.
0: Their only losses by the way, they had a very awkward loss to Miami in week 2. They lost to Alabama, Tennessee and Ole Miss, all top 20 teams when they lost. Scores of those losses by the way, 26-20 to Alabama. One Dude, score. I, I got to say though, uh Dave Hold on, let me let Dave, me get through yeah, the rest. Yeah. 20 to 13 Tennessee, one score. They were ranked 19th. Tennessee was at the time. Ole Miss ranked 10th, 38-35. And then they've had some pretty impressive wins, 38-10 to on Abilene Christian, 51-10 to on Mississippi State, 30-17 over South Carolina, 27-10 over Auburn, 34-22 Arkansas, 47-3 over UL Monroe, 52-10 over New Mexico. That For being a dumpster fire, I mean, that being lost a dumpster to fire, Bama you don't to, want to roast marshmallows in, is all I'm saying. That loss to Alabama was the
1: referee bullcrap. And oh, that's every Alabama. No, no. Totally like, that. You were there. You were there because we were, we were DJing a wedding together or I was running a photo mm-hmm. booth or something. And literally, I showed you on the phone. They said a safety happened when it wasn't a safety or it was the yeah. other way around or something. And there was, there was like five what pass interferences mean, at the end of the game that they didn't call. It was ridiculous. I, they can't keep getting away
0: with it. You mean to tell me that Nick Saban went to the zoo at halftime to go see the referees?
1: I mean, yes. the zebras. Yes. It, it was ridiculous then. Cause I was watching on the phone and, and I was like, Oh, I meant I was totally running the photo booth and not distracted by football. So <laughs> I think
0: it's I think it's gonna James Daniels is going to have a tough time getting those 433 yards. I would love to see him get it. I know like hell he's going to try But it's going to be a tough, tough pull for Jaden against the Texas A&M defense.
2: Just my opinion. Would you mind if we transition to another Texas team real quick? Which one? Well, on Friday, UTSA, Texas Antonio Roadrunners, are going to head over to Yuleman. And uh, they're going to fight for a chance to be first in the AAC.
0: Let me tell you, I'm very nervous about this game. I've been nervous about about this game for a month. And if y'all remember all the things I've been talking about in Tulane's predictions. Man, man, I'm excited. Tulane finally went over a mediocre team in relative dominant fashion, at least early season form. 24 to 8 over FAU, which is how they should have been beating the last three or four teams that they Mm -hmm. almost let run away with it. So, yay. Yay. Good for that. Through three and a half quarters, Tulane did everything right against uh, FAU. They were up twenty-four nothing, and then uh, they gave up a tutty plus two with just under nine minutes left in the fourth. And you went, "Oh, they're going to fall into that New Orleans cardiac curse again." Yeah, Uh, but thankfully they didn't. They held on. Tulane's defense held FAU to only two hundred and thirty-four total yards, only thirty-two rushing yards all game, which was super impressive. 21% on third downs, 3 for 14, 43% on fourth downs, they were 3 for 7. And uh Tulane's DJ Douglas did come up with one interception for the Green Wave as well, which was pretty awesome. Uh and that D-line was hungry. Yes, indeed. they was hungry. They sacked Daniel Richardson 5 times and sent that boy home with a quarterback rating of 32.5. Mm. See, that is the type of defense That that Tulane needs to play. Correct. That's the type of defense they've been playing all in the beginning of the season. And then they kind of all, I don't know. Everybody figured them out or whatever you want to say had happened. That's the defense that needs to show up against UTSA. If Tulane wants to stand a chance of actually remaining in the conference championship conversation. There are four scenarios that can play out. Because UTSA, who they play next, undefeated yep. in conference. Oh, no slouch at all. And then you have – no, hold on. UTSA is ranked third in the conference. Tulane's first. Sandwiched right in the middle mm-hmm. is SMU, who neither 20. one of those two teams have played. SMU is uh, – they're, they're a nine-win team, and UTSA mm-hmm. is an eight-win team. I believe you know Tulane is a 10-win team. One of yep. those two teams is uh, either us or um, or UTSA is likely going to end up playing SMU for the conference championship. And if too late they lose it this week, it won't be
2: them, them. Yep, yep. unless I saw some wretched miracle. miracle I am
1: going to say something uh, I never thought I would not only say on this show, but okay. say ever in my
2: life. Well, you're good. Are, are you going to announce that a Baton Rouge native has been named the Tulane Athletic Director? <laughs> because it's true.
0: No, he's not wearing green. But I it's not bright. It's not bright.
2: It is a no native. We'll get to that later. I'm
1: going to say that if Arkansas pulls the upset on Mizzou this Friday, then okay. I will be rooting for Tulane for the rest of their season.
2: What? So that so you want, you want that rag matchup real bad. Don't so
1: you? that they can play LSU and get boat raced.
0: I just want to see Brett cheer for Tulane. I don't know if he's even capable of it. I think it'd be fun to see. Oh, it would definitely be fun. I'm not going to cheer
1: for them, but I hope they will win. It's going to be oh, I'll a very
0: him. And
1: right
2: right now, I, about rooting a
1: and four. cheering are two very different things. <laughs> if Georgia plays Alabama, I hate both of them so much. Actually, that, that's a horrible example. But But if if Florida plays Alabama, I will never cheer for Florida. However, I will root for them to beat Alabama. Right. Mm. Um. If you,
0: you, in that scenario, if Florida were to score a last-second touchdown that gave them the win, would you not cheer for that touchdown?
2: It, okay, I think would it's, cheer it's, at the loss of Alabama. I would but cheer would at the loss of, of Alabama. Don't
0: give me your semantics, baloney. But um, so you know full well you'd be cheering for that touchdown. If, the I'll, I'll the say mechanics.
1: this: if, if it is confirmed that if Tulane wins a certain game that they'll go to the Peach Bowl or any bowl. I don't care. Um, with LSU. if it leads to a matchup with LSU this year, I will gladly cheer for them.
2: Well, then and know, then the second they win that rude. game, I'm opening
1: up all the socials, and I am going to be giving the biggest poop talk the world can offer. So I
0: think that is going to be the social media poll that we need to throw up this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. How many people want to see LSU Tulane in the Peach Bowl or any bowl? bowl,
2: Whatever it ends up being.
0: How many people want to see LSU and Tulane battle it up in the postseason? For those of y'all who are, are listening, paying attention live, let us know. What is your gauge? What's your level of excitement for the potential of an LSU Tulane bowl game matchup? Do you want that, or do you want to see those two teams go in two totally different directions? Let us know in the comments, and uh, I will. I'm going to put together a little poll, and we're going to throw mm-hmm. it up on the socials after the show is over. We'll gauge it, run it, and we'll, we'll reexamine it for next week's episode, when we'll actually probably, uh, by that point, oh, that have, have a definitive answer. Idea. Yeah, ma'am. That would be exciting. All right, so that is our our look back at college. Is there anything about the Tulane game that I missed? Without jumping ahead to the UTSA game this week, which we will talk about later in predictions. Yes, that they I suck. We
2: got, oh my God, I think we got most. The problem Dita with him being in Utah is I can't mute his mic. Exactly. So we're living in a different world these days. But no, I think uh, it's this is technology. Friday on Friday, <laughs> on Friday uh, afternoon, national television audience. Let's not forget that. So ABC two thirty. Oh, look at that. He's being influenced by the locals.
0: Lord. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Saints football. They were on the bye, so they couldn't lose. They did kind of sort of win uh, here in just a little bit. But first, got to pay some bills. Nowadays, everybody's got something to say, but not everybody has a way to say it. Not anymore. Omega Sound and Entertainment, proud partners of the Boot Sports Network and equipment providers for Boots to Balls, would like to introduce Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting. They can show up wherever you are with all the gear and expertise you'll need. Thank you, Producer Brett. Recording, editing, producing, even publishing. Whatever level of help you need, they are happy to provide. Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting is available now. For more information, check out omegasounddjs.com. Call them at 985-503-3357. That's 985 985-503- 503 Three three five seven,
2: and of course, we want to give a special thanks to McNeil Engineering as they provide not only their lovely surveying, high definition scanning, landscape architecture, and consulting services, but this week they also did a special favor and they left a home for producer Brett to be able to do this as he is currently in the McNeil Engineering offices recording this podcast, but of course, don't let that be the only thing they can do for you. They are committed to delivering timely, responsive, economical design solutions. For over 30 years, McNeil Engineering has thrived on establishing personal relationships that provide quality designs to their clients. They immerse themselves in each project and become part of the team. To thoroughly understand the customer's vision, they care about the economics of their projects and more importantly, the satisfaction of each customer. Project deadlines are an absolute and not a goal. Once again, we thank McNeil Engineering.
1: And what other engineering office has a Super Bowl trophy? It is true. They are. Uh, That is
0: a nice replica of the Vince Lombardi trophy. I'd be curious to hold that and see if it feels like the actual trophy
1: it It is the actual trophy that is the owner of McNeil engineering and my father getting it next to the certificate of authenticity that which is somewhere over here
0: that is that is the actual game one trophy I of believe regular Super Bowl I think that's one of the player trophies because each yeah it's one a, of the player uh, trophies well team trophy in that picture in my hands and if we could zoom in on it, I'm also wearing a saint Super Bowl ring. Screenshot it at the, yep, the resolution. We'll add it, in to it, to it See, now it wasn't my Super Bowl ring that I'm wearing. Not that I think the Saints are going to make it to the Super Bowl anytime soon, but I'd like them to do it at least one more time be before clean, I die. Because if I'm still if I'm still doing the the call, I would I would love to have a Super Bowl ring of my own. That'd be awesome. Dude. A man can dream, Kenny. I don't even know if if the
1: aren't PA is aren't still it. the head That's of one. the NFC South. They are, and I am so proud of you for even knowing segment. what division they're in.
0: That's a hell of a segue. Look at you! Look at oh, you! We're
2: firing on all cylinders tonight. Look at that!
0: I tell you what, there's something about that Utah Air got the boy going, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just holding a Vince Lombardi Trophy. One of these days, we got to get one in your hands, Donald.
2: That's right. Oh, I've had one in my hands. Uh, believe it or not, a uh, friend of the podcast, former Raiders lineman, former New Orleans Saint, might I add, David Rowe. You uh, had a chance have. to hold his back from the Raiders during the Madden days, so that was a pretty cool one. That's pretty cool. All right, well, good. We've all held Super Bowl trophy. No, no pictures, though. No pictures, but how oh, many oh, other
0: podcasts? There? Hold on, wait. I would like to derail the show for just a moment. Please how do. many other podcasts can say that they have actually every member of the show has put hands on a legitimate, authentic Vince Lombardi trophy? Go ahead, Google it. I'll wait. <laughs>
2: I think the math is pretty
1: good for us. Yeah, I, th- I think we're the that's only pretty one. Cool.
0: That is a neat little
1: stat. And and I don't know that how many I don't, I don't say know that there's any others. All three have held a Super Bowl trophy and one of them has been considered for a head coaching position of an SEC program. And that's my segue to let Texas A and M know that I have officially sent them my resume.
2: Where <laughs> he's back on the a,
1: market. That was a bad segue. That was a terrible segue. Alright. Oh, and and before the Saints, I just want to thought that Charlotte Hall has a constitutional right to have a wrong opinion because she says she is not for an LSU and Tulane in that in bowl game.
0: All right. So, Charlotte, I respect your opinion. If they're going to go in different directions, who do you want to see each team play? That's what I would like to know. All right. Uh, While you're thinking about that, we're going to jump to Saints talk. Uh, They had the bye this weekend. Also did Atlanta. Atlanta did not play. They also had their bye with us, which was great. They couldn't sneak up on us and gain any uh, position in the NFC South. Absolutely. And Tampa Bay is starting to do their fantastic Texas A&M impression, and they're going full dumpster fire right about now. Uh, they are down to 3-7, and 4-6. I believe, six, yep, 3-7, and seven, I believe. Somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, the Saints at 5-5 five and five are a full game ahead of everybody in the NFC South. Uh, But all that said, the big question this week with the Saints going to Atlanta is going to be injuries Mm -hmm. after the loss to the Vikings. It was said that the injuries sustained by Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore were, quote, fairly significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then not much else had really been said until today. Uh, We did find out that Marshawn is suffering from a high ankle sprain. That uh, that was his injury. He is reportedly going to need some time to heal from. Those were the words of head coach Dennis Allen. He's listed as questionable on Monday's injury report. Mike Thomas was listed as doubtful on Monday's report. He sustained a knee injury in Minnesota that head coach Dennis Allen said is going to take some time to heal. And then literally hours before we sat down for this program, it was maybe like three o'clock or so, uh, the Saints put Mike Thomas on the injured reserve list. For the third time yeah, in three seasons. It's really easy to can't guard Mike when Mike can't play. But I talked about that.
1: So the injured reserve list, that means, is that like red shirting for, for NFL?
2: To a degree. Uh, I'll explain it because it's changed a little bit and some people may not be familiar with the new way, how it works. Um, Prior to COVID, injured reserve was basically for those players who have been uh, lost for the season, who were not going to be able to return. Think things like torn ACLs, oh, uh, gotcha. things of that nature, broken bones. You However, On the team,
0: and, but they wouldn't take
2: up playable roster space. Exactly. So you could sign someone else to fill their spot. Um, The difference these days is that now the injured reserve works a lot more like baseball does, where you have uh, different segments. You can be full season injured reserve, like some players are currently for the Saints, or you can be partial injured reserve, which will be a minimum of four weeks. So that means right now, Michael Thomas could return at the earliest whenever the Saints go to play the Rams on December 21st. That'll be the third second from last game of the year before battles against Tampa and Atlanta. So ideally, if you can get him healthy and you can have him for that final playoff stretch, that would be huge. But we're going to have to see if he'll make it back by then. Yep. Uh, And that is going to be a
0: big question mark that we're going to have to wait and see how that gets answered. Also on the injury report, running back Kendra Miller, he popped up as questionable along with defensive end Isaiah Foskey. But the big injury question mark that a lot of folks are probably still holding on to, waiting for answers, Derek Carr. Mm. RQB1 did sustain a shoulder injury as well as a concussion on Monday's injury report. He was listed as questionable as of Monday, still in concussion protocol, according to New Orleans Saints football reporter Mike Triplett. And as I was taking a look at the injury report, um, questionable. Yeah means maybe he could, maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. We're not we are not really telling anybody. But all they really were discussing was the concussion. They were not talking at all about, the, about shoulder the shoulder injury. So this is not the first time that that shoulder has been injured on Derek Carr this season. He had that AC joint sprain earlier in the year. I think that was about, what, week three yeah, that I that came so. in? I, I don't know. I mean, we're t- we're 10 games in, so it's been seven seven weeks, mm-hmm. two months, Personal. roughly, since that injury. I don't know if that injury has gotten back to 100%, especially considering he's been playing injured practically throughout. So now he's re-injured. But nobody's talking about the the level of. Is his shoulder not really that injured? Was the injury mild and he's fine and good to go, no harm, no foul? We're only worried about the concussion. Or is it a slow play and we're just kind of using the concussion as a, a lame duck to direct people's attention elsewhere, Yeah, which is going to be a very interesting thing to see. Uh, he does, like we said, uh, remain questionable because of that concussion. And that also brings up another point. If his concussion is bad enough that he needs extra time, usually concussion protocols in the NFL are about a week. They think yep. outside of a week, Things have, have taken enough time to let the brain heal, settle, mm-hmm. uh, whatever symptoms you may be experiencing because of a concussion or hopefully mild enough that they would be uh, done and gone and resolved in a week. But there are sometimes, uh, like remember Taysom Hill had a concussion when uh, he jumped in uh, back when we had Drew Brees and it seemed like all of our quarterbacks were getting injured. Mm-hmm. He seemed to deal with concussion symptoms for like a month. So there are some times that quarterbacks or players in general might need extra time in concussion protocols. If this is one of those situations and Derek Carr really took a good bell ringing in Minnesota and he's not going to get out of concussion protocols before Atlanta, how confident are we in Jameis in Atlanta? Because that's going to be the answer.
2: And you see, that's the interesting part in all this, because right now, if you look at where the people in the desert have the line at, it's currently at uh, basically even between the Saints and Falcons. One point is the spread and then uh, an over under at 42. So there's a strong understanding that this is going to be a low scoring affair. Not surprising with the Saints, but the Falcons have been able to put up some decent offensive numbers. And then uh, the mathematics, the analytics side say that the Saints are favored pretty reasonably, a bit stronger than I would expect. So, from the outside
1: looking in.
0: All right. Before you say what you're about to say, you need to understand Mm -hmm. that for all the people watching this who are Mm -hmm. New Orleans Saints fans – and I know that you don't have the greatest grasp of NFL football. I know nothing, especially about in comparison to collegiate football.
1: Literally, this, I, I am this Wikipedia is College. Sh- sh- sh-
0: this is the New the Orleans Patriots. Saints equivalent of LSU, Alabama.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that okay. much. I, I know that much because I lived in Atlanta for two years and I learned to hate Falcons fans real quick. They're the most obnoxious, disgusting fan base I have ever met, with the exception of mm. Ohio State and Alabama fans. Okay, and USC fans. USC fans are up there too. But um, they're awful. They. I don't, I don't care about the NFL, ever. I don't ever care about it. I, I, I refer to it as the National Fallen League. I, I've been on record for my lack of caring about the NFL, but they're so bad that... Falcon fans are so much just disgusting, dirty people with their fandom that they made me hate their team enough where I will be rooting for the Saints and maybe even watching this game, which is a lot to say for me, if you know me. With that being said, I don't know much about the NFL. Little to none. Zero. Negative. But I know a lot about college. And I know how hard it is as a college player to get into the NFL draft to Correct. to get into the NFL draft, you must be the best of the best of the best because there's only a few hundred draftees, right? If that, and yeah, there's true. only a few hundred teams in college football. So you have to be in the best of the best of the best. So and it's just, around 30 teams. if the used car is broken, then um I got to say it's the next man up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And next man up has to be at least pretty good to be in there. And the owners of these million-dollar programs have to know this. And these millionaires, as much as I hate them, thinking they don't care as much as college, must care somewhat of one of the few actual rivalries in the NFL. So I don't think the Saints will have a problem with this.
0: One
2: of its top five.
0: So, I'm glad you brought that up, talking about next man up, Jameis being next man up. I can hear a number of y'all screaming, Taysom, Taysom. It won't. It will not be Taysom. taysom. It will never be Taysom. It will only be Taysom when everyone else is injured or dead. It will not be Taysom. I am sorry to tell you. I'm not telling you that with insider information. I'm telling you that because, as a fan of football, The experiment has come and gone. The numbers don't reflect that that is a good thing. And Taysom Hill is way, way more beneficial to the New Orleans Saints in his Swiss Army knife role than he will ever be as a dedicated quarterback. He is not Lamar Jackson. He is not Jaden Daniels. He ain't that guy. He's only as successful as he is on those play types because he's not doing it every down. They don't know, other teams don't know, how to game plan for him every down. When he does it, once every two drives, he can confuse you. You don't know if he's going to run or pass. He exactly. can take a direct snap from shotgun take two steps up, and you think he's going to run it right up the gut in a draw. And, and suddenly, Taysom Hill, who has all of the ability in the world, is throwing a 30 yards downfield to a wide-open Rashid Shaheed, who's 12 steps ahead of the next closest defender, C.I. That's the only reason that works. It will never work with Taysom as a dedicated
1: well, I, I don't know about that. Saints. But I don't know, do know about that, but, I do, know yeah. about that. but yeah. I do know in Tech Mobile, Bo Jackson is broken, so the Saints should see if he can still play. Well, Well, if that's the case in Tech
0: Mobile, they should should also also go out for Walter Payton in running back. And they should should also go out for Lawrence Lawrence Taylor uh, from the New York Giants uh, on on defense. And there's also that guy from uh, the L.A. Raiders who, when you're trying to block kicks— He's the hut, 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 third guy down, and then you sweep around, and he beats everybody in. But this ain't Tech Mobile, And all we're left with is Jameis Winston. Jameis. Now, let's talk about Jameis for a second. Because if Derek can't go, Jameis is the guy. When Jameis came in towards the end of the game in Minnesota, Saints did seem to wake up a bit. You Uh, can't deny it. The offense seemed to get in rhythm with him, which was great. Loved seeing it. Jameis was 13 of 25. That is just under 50% completion percentage. 122 about,
2: yards. Well, I guess
0: under, yeah. Yeah, well, 13 to 26 would be 50%. Yeah, so. So, yeah, no, no, uh, 12 and a half would be 50%. He was just over. Excuse me. My math was bad. Um, I was bad math today. That's for you, Brett. <laughs> um, 122 yards. Two yep. tutties plus two. The two-point conversions. And then the two interceptions on the backside, and we talked about all that last week mm-hmm. after the game. So yeah, things can be said about the challenges that he faced by the time that he came in. Overall, while he did accomplish some good things, his performance was by no means great. If you take a like a Pat Mahomes, yeah. If you take a Jalen Hurts, you take a um, you take a Golf, you take a yeah. Stafford. And Any a, one of those guys, maybe not, uh, maybe not golf.
2: No nah, golf. I mean,
0: eight, and two. No, eight no, two yeah. Golf is over there in Detroit right now. Yeah, uh, still the golf and Stafford trade. The golf, whatever yeah, the golf has in L.A. Coaching.
2: and the golf in Detroit. Two different men at this point.
0: Truth, true story. Um, if they were the if they were the backups by some goofy, random, horrible yeah, coaching generator. decision, mm-hmm. and then they come in against Minnesota, I don't foresee them making the same mistakes that Jameis made against the Vikings, those two late-game interceptions. That said, if you watched the Chiefs-Eagles' Super Bowl rematch last night on Monday Night Football, Pat Mahomes didn't seem to be very Pat Mahomes-like. He was also playing against the Eagles, not the Vikings. So there's, there's a lot to be said there. It's the reason why everybody plays the games. Jameis is not Pat Mahomes. Jameis is not Jalen Hurts. Uh it's going to be a tough game, but this game, the way Alabama is playing, especially with what happened to Jameis this you past mean the way weekend, the Falcons are playing? What did I say? Alabama. Ah, <laughs> screw them too. No, you're right. Um the way that the way that Atlanta is playing right now, I think Jameis definitely could lead the Saints to a win in
1: Atlanta.
0: Now we're going to get into uh, some things that happened to Jameis uh, this past weekend. In just a moment. In just a moment, when we kick it around the boot. Uh, But first, Family Promise St. Tammany Parish. They would like to give you ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. Family Promise is an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore. They cannot do it alone. It is raffle season. So for only $25 from now through December 15th, you can still buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise Raffle. Started back on November 1st, they began drawing for amazing daily prizes. And all daily winners will remain eligible for that $10,000 grand prize drawing on December 15th. One of those daily prizes is my pair of passes. To the New Orleans Saints-Atlanta Falcons season finale, the last game of the year at the Caesars Superdome. 300-level seats. You're also going to have access to the uh, to Caesar. the club, yep, Caesar's the club. Caesars club right there. I don't ever get a chance to go hang out in the club, and they're doing all the renovations, so I forget what they're calling them now. Uh, but it is club level, so you'll get club access. And uh, I believe, Donald, you got a chance to check out the clubs.
2: Yeah, Nice it, dining exactly. options, comfortable yeah. seating. All-you-can-drink soda package, If that's for you. And it's going to be for $25, or
0: if you only buy one ticket and happen to win it. And this is one of a number of amazing daily prizes that they're going to continue drawing. The more tickets you have, obviously, the better your odds. So get yours now, fpstp.org. That's fpstp.org, short for Family Promise, St. Tammany Parish,
2: fpstp.org. Good luck. And, of course, here on the Boot Sports Network, we once again thank you for joining us here on this live stream. It's good to see some great interaction in the chat. If you're watching and you haven't joined in yet, we'd be happy to have you over there. Also, as we continue to expand our reach and platform here on the Boot Sports Network, we ask that you join with us go ahead, give us that follow there on, be it YouTube, here, hit the bell button, of course, Facebook, Instagram, we're all over the internet trying to provide you the latest and up-to-date news in sports. If you aren't following us on particularly the Instagram and Facebook platforms, we give almost minute-by-the-news updates to the latest sports and events in Louisiana. The latest just Absolutely. A, a Tulane fan, LSU fan, all the rankings, all the updates, everything you need. A to know. Nichols fan,
0: uh, a McNeese a fan. fan,
2: a McNeese fan, anybody shout out to you guys. You know who you are. Uh, if you're L-S-T-U. here in Louisiana, we provide you the latest news and we're happy to have you as part of the family. Don't forget to share us. Go ahead. Send it out to the people you know who you want to be a part of this number. And we'd be happy to see you all in the next episode after we finish this one up today. Indeed. All right, Don, you ready to kick it around the boot? All right,
0: we're talking about Jameis Winston. Here's what we were talking about that happened this past weekend. Uh, It happened during the uh, game against North Alabama and Florida State. The Seminoles honored the 10th anniversary of their 2013 national championship team, of which Jameis was a part of, and he had his Florida State jersey retired. For those of you who may have forgotten or just never knew, Jameis won the Heisman Trophy back in 2013 as a red-shirt freshman. He led Florida State to a 14-0 and 0 record after throwing 40 touchdown passes and setting the national freshman record for passing yards with 4,057. So kudos and congratulations to Funny Jameis. Thing. what I'm saying.
1: What's that? Funny thing. Do you know who coached Florida State that year? Who did? Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> no kidding.
0: He sure did. He sure it did. all
2: circles around.
0: But anyway, that's why Jameis would be feeling pretty pretty good this weekend. If he Did happen to get that start? Just saying, Mike. And many Mike people like that.
1: That since every program he's gone to since has been a dumpster fire, including Florida State. That that wasn't so much Jimbo's win as it was Jamis's win. Mm.
0: I would I would have to say so. Now, I know if uh, if our buddy out there in Florida, Chris Levy, is part of the show today, I know he would agree. I know he would. Shout out, Chris! All
1: right, and shout uh, out to I'm, Bilbo T. Baggins who says, "Yo, yo, what up, Bilbo? I mean, Thanks for being part of the show." Absolutely.
0: While we are passing out congratulations, we've also got a shout out to boy Jaden, who, while on his way to a hopeful and well deserved Heisman Trophy win. He picked up an invitation to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, last week. So congrats to him, and uh, we wish him all the best in uh, that endeavor.
2: Absolutely. Now, of course, that was not the only player to be highlighted as a player of the week here in Louisiana, because if you are not watching some of these smaller teams in the state at the FCS level, let me tell you, you are missing out on quality football. And We'll be talking about a little bit later in the prediction segment. But I just want to go ahead and give a overall shout out to our absolutely awesome players, coaches that are playing in say Louisiana and putting on their best performance. We're going to start with LSU's Mike Dembrock. Offensive coordinator who was named a semifinalist for the Broyles award, which goes to the best assistant coach in college football. This was pretty big for him. You've seen what he's been able to do with the LSU offense going from what was rather proficient last year to an absolute juggernaut this year. It has truly shown his skill as an offensive coordinator. And we of course want to congratulate him on his nomination for the Broyles award. Not only that, we also go down to Nichols, whose head coach was named a finalist for the Eddie Robinson Award, who goes to the top head coach at the FCS level. He has turned the Nichols team around from 0-3 at the beginning of the year to where they're going to be playing in the first round of the FCS playoffs this Saturday against Southern Illinois. And we're going to be talking a little bit about their matchup as we get into predictions later on today. And I know some of y'all from down there at Nichols are watching. You've been doing a great job, and we're looking forward to seeing you go up and get a victory this weekend. And since we're talking about Nichols, let's go and talk about their quarterback, Pat McQuaid, who has been named the Southland Offensive Player of the Week after a big performance in the Riverbell Classic, taking care of business and getting the victory over Southeastern. I know that hurt Dave a little bit, but hey, you know, we got a team going out to the playoffs, so we'd love to see that there. Open Hold on. Great performance. But If we're going to talk about how it hurt me.
0: Uh, yes, I am a Southeastern Lion by education. But I spent way more time on the campus of Nichols. I grew up in Thibodeau. I was right there in the country club. I used to bike through the Nichols campus to get to Edie White High School. For Mm. three years, I was out that way. And there was time spent before it. And after that, my lovely wife is a thibodeau I got nothing but love for Nichols State.
2: Absolutely. And we'll go ahead and pop over to the other side of the state. How about those McNeese Cowboys? It wasn't their best year, but they did go out on a little bit of a bang where their linebacker, Micah Davey, got nominated as a defensive player of the week here in the Southland Conference. So shout out to him, of course. Good to see uh, Louisiana taking both offensive and defensive sides of the ball down there in Southland. We have about five teams that play down there. So it's basically us and Texas, and uh, Texas did not get anything this week. So that's always a win for the state of Louisiana. And then you all know it, but let's say it a little bit louder. Jaden Daniels oh, boy, is the offensive Jayden. player of the week. Jaden Daniels was Again. also named for the Maxwell trophy. Um, oh um, goes but, the best. But
1: Donald, if Nuss was put in, could you imagine all the trophies he would win? And if Nuss we'll was
0: putting, everyone would have a bite. Stop which a Nuss bus mess. Year. Absolutely next, so. Neck year next year
1: i want I want our audience to know I'm being sarcastic and making fun of those people who said at the beginning uh, of the season, no,
2: right. Taryn, Taryn on that mic Brett. you got too much passion, you got to lower it a little bit, but I will not stop my passion for the Baton Rouge Zydeco, although it has been a bit of a rough start. Let's be honest, they played a pretty rough opening schedule. I do not know why the Federal Pacific Hockey League thought it would be best to put them up against the River Dragons as many times who are probably going to win the cup in that league, but uh they continue to fight, and then they also got to meet a new team this week, which is only the third team they've played so far because again, Federal Pacific Hockey League, I'm a little bit confused on your scheduling, but you know do what you got to do yes, indeed. As excited as we are for football
0: and all the rest of the sports that we got around, don't that we up. take it to the hardwood?
2: The round bounce.
0: All right, it's time for full court press here on Boots to Balls. We're going to start with a uh, college LSU men's team. They are three and two. They could very easily be five uh, and zero right now. Easily. Their two losses were very very close: sixty eight to sixty six versus Nichols, seventy to sixty seven against Dayton. With the exception of their blowout season opening one Oh six to 60 win against Mississippi Valley state. All of the Tigers men's games have also been decided by an average of around four points. So as easily as they could be five and Oh, uh, they could be one and four just as easy. So Donald, my question to you, are the Tigers
2: good or are they just lucky? So, you know, it, Watching this Charleston classic, this Shriners, uh classic that they play every year out there in Charleston, if you're not familiar with it, it's a pretty interesting tournament. You had some pretty good teams in, year, uh, in there this year. You had Houston, who's number six in the country. LSU did not get the chance to play them. Um, you also had Dayton, who LSU did take a small loss to, who, by the way, Dayton probably had about 8,000 people in that arena that were absolutely passionate. They do not particularly play football up there for the Flyers. So you saw their matchup versus LSU, who brought maybe for a home weekend. I think LSU maybe had 75 people in Charleston. You know, a a good, loud supporting section, but it certainly was not anywhere near. It was basically a Dayton home game. And you still saw a pretty good performance for this young group led by Matt McMahon. That was the most complex game because LSU had a 15 point lead in the second half of that game. They should have taken that advantage and they should have seen that game get closed out. But because of mistakes and mishandlings, you saw the lead again dissipate and then eventually Dayton's able to overtake it at the end of the game. The next two games against North Texas and then the final game against Wake Forest, you saw LSU resolve the issues of being able to hold on late in the game Yet they were still sequestering leads as everyone you see quite often do in basketball. It's a game of runs, as they say. You go up, you go down. But at least being able to put on a defensive performance that was strong enough to not only hold off Wake Forest in regulation, but also to hold them off in overtime. I felt, I felt to be, be pretty, pretty impactful And well. In fact, she was able to put up 86 points against Wake Forest. a, a That is on comparable quality with what they'll see in SEC play playing out right there in the ACC. ACC. So overall, I would say LSU is competent. This is a team that will probably be better than what we saw last year. A lot of alarm you see the well proximity losses of the Nichols and Tate and, 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 Dayton, and a, lot, a lot of players and, and you know you know general and aren't too familiar with data and that's your year they're like oh how we lose to them but you know I don't think this, this is not time to put all the pressure on that man I think it's not time to you know you know of course keep a honest perspective that this is a team that needs to win and the sooner they get the pack out of the you know, NCAA holding as they're preventing his transfer, the better this team will get you, as that's the last piece they really need is a true point guard.
1: Do you think that Coach we Jeffrey? will be um will Wade level's good this year?
2: If I'm going to compare this to Will Wade's first or second year, I would say that this team is not as talented. This team is a bit more structured though. So, you're going to see this team be able to respond a little better. You're going to see this team be able to put um up points in difficult situations a little bit better, but to be clear, I don't think they have a single NBA player on this roster. I think that this is a true, you know, collegiate All-Star level players pool. You have Will Baker, who's a seven-foot center. He's the best chance I think of anybody to go pro, and he's putting up good points so far. You saw him hit twenty-five and nine. Uh, it's not a bad team. Don't get me wrong; they're going to be competitive in the SEC. I I think they're going to really have to fight to get to five hundred, but um, that's about where I see him topping out about 500 in the SEC, which is enough to potentially make the NIT or sneak into the tournament, maybe in the last four in. So I'll, I think it's something that LSU fans, as well as those in the state should be keeping an eye on. It's a good, entertaining brand of basketball. It's just maybe not star power, which is unique to see for the state. All right. So let's switch on over to the other side of yeah, Tiger's basketball. Star power.
0: The LSU ladies basketball team, those Tigers, they are five and one. They haven't lost since that humbling 92 to 78 season opener against Colorado. Since then, the lady Tigers have looked true to last year's form, winning their games by double digit margins. Their average win margin right now, 46.2 points. They're beating teams by almost 50 points. But on average, it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's dominant. And while that should be the story with a lot of these big wins, huge performances mm-hmm. from Haley Van Lith, Michaela Williams, who we talked about last week, yeah. Flo J. Johnson, Anissa Morrow, they're all making highlights. We've got to ask because Where? inquiring minds want to know. Where is Angel what Angel Reese? Where is Angel Reese? She was benched in the second half against Kent State on what Coach Mulkey described as a coach's decision. She did not join the team for the next matchup against Southeastern and then was also absent during their last game hosting Texas Southern. Since then, Coach Mulkey is not talking about it, not talking about it with anybody. She's gone on record as saying that Angel is a part of this basketball team, and we hope to see her sooner rather than later But she's not going to elaborate on the state of things to the point of almost being just a smidge snarky with some of the reporters, or maybe we'll call it aggressively protective of her players uh, and the situation. When it comes to Angel, she hasn't publicly addressed her absence either. The closest we've gotten Mm -hmm. was a recent social media post from her account saying, quote, please don't believe everything that you read. Angel Reese. I respect your right to privacy. But you good? If you're good, blink twice. Yeah, it's you because, to, yeah, I, we have no idea what is going yeah. on in this situation. And I don't want to speculate because speculation isn't going to do any good. we just become mm-hmm. another tabloid spinning the rumor mill. Exactly. We don't know. Whatever it is, uh, Angel, we miss you. Mm-hmm. We hope you're good. And uh, we can't wait to see you get back on the court because what you have been doing has been nothing short of amazing.
2: So we love you. All the best to you. And and I'll say this, you know, without going into the speculation side of things, Angel Reese did like the post for LSU's last victory where she was not present. She is participating, to my understanding, in team activities. I have not seen anything saying that she is entirely out of all team activities. Kim Mulkey says she is on the team. so if i'm going to apply this to what a lot of fans are used to With football level speak and jargon i think that this is a situation where angel for whatever reason is away from the team and we know in college it's not like the nfl where you get a big news flash saying this player is suspended for this reason and this time you know i think this is probably more than anything just a situation they have to deal with internally we've seen it done at lsu before I don't know what the nature of it is. We've seen a lot of rumors, and we'll know a little bit hopefully by next week. But at this point, you have a team that is absolutely loaded and that graciously can beat about 80% of women's basketball teams with two to three stars out. So LSU needs to continue to ride their success continue to get Michaela Williams' playing time, which she is using to the most of her ability, not to mention other players like Haley Van Lid. You have uh, last year Poe, who's put in a lot of good minutes, Flo J. Johnson, as we know, Uh, not to mention the other many contributors they have on that team. Anissa Morrow has also shown some pretty good points out here. So this team is still in title contention. Nobody get concerned yet. Nobody get heated. Um, I think it's a little bit disrespectful that they – lose opening weekend to Colorado and they drop to seven Iowa loses this week and they don't drop past LSU little weird little weird I'm just gonna call it out but you know it's very early in the season we got to get to some of these uh continued tournaments I know LSU has another tournament coming up I believe in the Cayman Islands so we'll see if Angel Reese travels to the Cayman Islands that'll be a big indication on what some of the status of all this is and we'll know a little bit then so right now um we're just going to go ahead and continue rolling. I think, as far as all she women's basketball goes, and uh, who knows, play herself back. Well, the, top the five. Easter Bunny
1: thinks that she owes it to the fans who paid good money for tickets to see her play.
0: So and uh, it, it, yeah, that thing. is a that is a tough, and I apologize for for just kind of jumping in on this. No, you're good. That there. that is a tough stance to comment on. Because as, as somebody who is both a fan and as somebody who is both an organizational guy, and trying to, to look at it as objectively as possible, yes, uh, I, at at a point, players get into sport knowing that sport is entertainment and that fan bases become reliant on their abilities to better the team. Especially when you have an absolute juggernaut like the LSU. She owes it to the ladies' basketball team.
1: good money for
2: tickets to see her play. We got a little bit of an echo. Oh, right? oh no, you're good. You're good. My bad. Okay. My bad. Sorry about that. I was doing a little test there. Okay. Okay. Um, I was hearing we might have audio problems from sources, and I just wanted to double check that. So I'm, I'm going to tiptoe
0: on the line of speculation, just for a hypothetical. Okay. Um. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that the reason why we're not seeing Angel Reese is because uh, she just found out the day before that Kent State game that her mom, who has been her greatest inspiration in life, has incurable stage four cancer. And it has mentally wrecked her. But she doesn't want to go public with that. Now, I'm not saying that that happened. That is me just throwing a weird, random scenario out there. Because in that case, humanity kind of kicks in and takes over sport, and you go, oh, I get it. Yeah, I guess it would be hard for anybody to perform at the best of their level if they're not mentally into it because they have something so emotionally devastating going on. And in that scenario, it would be very easy to see Kim Mulkey going Baby girl, I get it. Look, you're not playing up to speed. I don't mean to be disrespectful to you, but why don't you take the rest of the game out? Let me know when you're ready to get back. In the meanwhile, you know, we'll put in Michaela, we'll put in these we'll put, we'll do what we gotta do. We'll be the team. We are one team. We'll get together through this. She understands that in that hypothetical scenario, That that is a situation that that's very personal, and it's not Kim Mulkey's place to say to anybody. It is in that hypothetical situation, Angel Reese's uh, time to say whenever she's ready. Hey, this is where I've been. This is what I've been doing. The problem is the way that everything actually happened creates a terrible look. Mm -hmm. She's playing. We don't know what happens. Suddenly, one of the all-stars on this team gets benched after an embarrassing week one loss. And then suddenly, Kent State was week two or week three. So you're still in the early season trying to make up for that loss. And one of your start players gets benched. You don't see him for two games. And you're also seeing Kim Mulkey be Kim Mulkey with
2: reporters, which is almost kind of snarky. Which um, I don't hate, honestly. Hold And, on. and not to Hold mention, on. if I can real quick, um, we've seen this this year at LSU already with Greg Brooks. Now, that was a much different type of situation, but we've seen the precedent this university has when it comes to players on leave of absence, be it Greg Brooks, Denver Harris, Deuce Chestnut. Going all the way back to Tyron Matthew, for goodness sake, we've seen this year and year over. It's pretty much standard LSU policy. It doesn't matter if you're injured, if you have an academic issue, if you have a team rules violation, or if you have any type of other situation, LSU is not going to release the nature of the situation until it has resolved. They do not actively let it perpetuate during the course of the situation.
0: Well, again, and Brett, I don't want to cut you off. But at the same time, now we're starting to really deviate into speculation.
1: If that is, this is. I, I don't have speculation. I'm just going to say as a counter argument to support the Easter Bunny, I do have to say this. We no longer live in an age of college athletics. College athletics just don't exist anymore. In the age of NIL transfer portal, it's pay to play. We are in minor league sports now. It's the sad reality of the situation. With the amount of money these players are getting paid, like Lane Kiffin said to that player who, um, I I forget his name, who tried to claim mental health or whatever.
2: The team, basically, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like, look, you're getting paid money. Like, you are getting paid way more money than most people make at their jobs, especially in a D1 program like LSU. Especially if you're a natty player who's on every billboard, who's got Gordon and all that stuff being paid probably more than you'd – As much, if not more, than you'd probably make in the WNBA. Um, At that point, when you're a minor league player, because that is what the NCAA is now for at least D1 sports, whether or not we want to admit it, it's the reality of 2023, for better or for worse. So when you are in that level and you are getting paid millions of dollars, whether it's from boosters or whatever, because I know the schools can't officially whatever, but we all know that it's an unsung secret you do have a little bit, at least in my opinion, not the shows, my opinion, you do have some commitment to show up to work because like there there's been times where family issues happened to me, but work is work. You have to play through the pain and get to jobs. And again, we're not confirming whether or not that because that's just something you pulled out of your, you know, but um, it, there, there is some response if you are being paid this money that I think is deserved. And I'm not gonna blame Kim Mulkey for this one because, as Brian Kelly pointed out in a press conference earlier this year, I forget the name of the statute, but Congress did pass something in the '70s that made it where you can't talk about players' academics and health for certain issues and such like that.
0: I here's here's where I'm at, and I and I get it, and I I don't want to be rude to fans because sports don't exist without fans. Yeah. I, if nobody was watching, they wouldn't play basketball. Why why would they? I mean, what are you doing it for if nobody cares? So, yeah, I get it. Um and to a degree you are, you're not necessarily wrong. But then it it opens up the can of worms for the the internal debate of humanity versus entertainment. We don't know what's going on with Angel Reese. We have no idea. And in my scenario, it was 130% hypothetical just for the sake of argument. But again, trying not to get into speculation, what you're basically saying is if you, as a fan of LSU basketball, see Angel Reese on the streets of Baton Rouge, and you don't know what she's going through. Do you feel justified walking up to her, handing her a basketball and going, entertain me, clown? And that's not necessarily fair to the people who are these athletes. Yes, they did make a choice that they're going to follow a career in athletics. And knowing that, they made a choice to dedicate their life's work to a fan base to which they owe that fan base. But then let me ask you a question. What happens when she gets way better money in NIL deals to go to the number two school? Because maybe, then maybe on gonna, the other side, hold on, maybe on the other side, maybe there is some actual beef somewhere. Maybe she and Kim Mulkey are beefing behind the scenes and they don't want to make it public. So she says, F this, I'm out, transfer portal. And suddenly she takes the number two team to the number one team and everybody in Baton Rouge treats her like Nick Saban. And then she goes, F everybody in Louisiana, I don't care. And it'd be deservingly so. Right. And that's what the fans would do because the fans are being fans, but they're not looking at her like a person. Well People I, go through things. You can't just say, well, hey, you're an athlete now. You're an actor now. You don't have the right to be a person.
1: If if I'm an actor and I'm being paid millions of dollars or athlete or whatever, and I'm going through something, there's also a matter of respect, right? Like if I if something happens with my family at my job, I'm going to tell my boss – and my constituents who are paying me, hey, um, just letting y'all know this is happening. You don't have to go into vivid detail. Um, And and I think, I I don't necessarily say she owes it, but I would say the right thing to do is to say, hey, and I personally think the only thing that could be keeping them from saying that is something of either A, embarrassment, i.e. grades, or B, like you mentioned, money because, again, this is minor league sports. And shout to the Easter Bunny who's just popping off today, who not only just said a bunch of money emojis, but then said, "Brad, I totally agree. Thank you, Easter So, Bunny.
0: so I would also and, like to point yeah, this out. I would also like to point this out. You're saying that you feel this certain way, and that's excellent. I'm saying that you have to see – I think it's fair to see life through a particular set of, of lenses. I'm saying that as a 45-year-old man who has lived a lot of life. You're saying what you're saying is someone in their mid-20s who has lived not quite as much life as me, but still a fair amount of life. Do you think at the age of 21, you would be ready to deal with the weight of the world in fame and fortune on your shoulders?
2: You're That's Angel Reese. A fresh, yeah, you are that asking a, the wrong person.
0: Uh, well, no, fair, fair point. I'll but, take the question. All right, Donald, would you at the age of 20, if you told me at twenty one years old I was going to be nationally known, I'll a national champion, getting, I would love, props. I would love the fame, but would I be able to actually deal with all that was included? No, I don't. I don't think I could. I, I think
1: I would have a very difficult time.
2: I, I am ready he's, for the weight of the world. He is his own cult leader of just himself, which is the weird part. But to get back to the actual question, you know, I look at this and I say, okay, one, is it productive to the team? Two, is it productive to the player's career? And three, is it productive to the brand? Is divulging any of this productive to the team to create additional speculation, then pull in who knows who other players create internal and external division? No, it's not productive to your team. So you don't engage in it. Then you ask, is it productive to the player? Does it help the brand of Angel Reese to go on and just, you know, basically fight the team for whatever reason this might be to cause public instigation against the team for whatever this might be? I would say no, because while we know right now Angel Reese is making better money than she likely will in the NBA Currently, she still holds the opportunity in a growing market to then make all the money for the next fifteen. But to she also years could just life. be pursuing her rap career. No, that would be Flo J. But you tried. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know. So, she could be and, featured
2: on a Flo J track. Who knows? But i going um, crazy. I thought she wanted to be a rapper too. No, that's Flo J, other player. No, oh, no, okay. We're talking about number ten. Um, but no, basically. You would not want to forego yourself basically getting blacklisted from the WNBA um, as many players, not as much in modern society. But you can still think of some major athlete who have basically blacklisted themselves from their profession. Antonio Brown, um, Ricky Williams, so forth and so on. It does still happen. There is so it does not benefit the player. Then you get into the idea of, you know, OK, I think honestly, at this point in my personal take that this is something that is held by legal protection. And LSU policy protection, simple as that. And you are correct, the Easter money. It would solve a lot if they would just say something. But like I say, I think this is under legal protection. Uh, the university has to uphold to, and you would not want LSU to have a national championship by the players that are playing be vacated by blocking by uh, going around an NCAA or a um, internal protection. National protection be fined Because that's what we're playing for We're playing for the NCAA's trophy We're not playing for LSU's prestige well, trophy We're playing I for think, the NCAA's trophy
1: I think so there we are arguments the For both addressing it and not addressing it And I think oh, I agree. Get and we, and we know much that Much more than any of us To figure out what is the right way to do it So oh, I yeah. don't think we and should be stuck On this for too, too much longer
0: No, no I, I agree. agree And I And I will say that once we get to a point Where all the facts come out it's It'll gonna be much it's gonna, to Well, no, it's gonna go down in one of two ways. Either, uh, when this is all behind her personally, she will come out and she'll say, Hey, look, um, sorry, things have been weird. Uh I've been dealing with ex personal issue and uh, it has been resolved. And I'm sorry for all the things that it has done, the way it has detracted or distracted from the team. I'm ready to put all that behind me. Thank you, Coach Mulkey, for your support in these very difficult and trying times. Let's get back to winning another championship. And then everybody goes, yay, she's back. And they start winning games with her again. And everybody forgets it in a month. Or nothing ever gets said about it ever again. Nothing ever gets said about it again. And one day, Angel Reese just shows up and starts playing. Yep. And they start winning. In that scenario, what that says to me as an educated fan is, there was some shit going on in the locker room. There was beef. There some beat, somebody, whether it was her, her and the players. Maybe she, she and Haley Van Little don't like each other. other. She, she came in on the tra- transfer portal. maybe Hayley Williams came, came in as this big hot dog in high school, school she and shot got an attitude and, and got, got into a fist, fist fight. fight and they're, they're trying, trying to keep that Like These are the stupid speculation things that I, that I don't, don't want to get into because there's a million different potential reasons why. But if there's a personal beef somewhere in that team somewhere, they, they don't want to make that a national point of discussion.
2: That the national champions are dealing with this kind of issue. Might, I add, already have a strong disposition against LSU, generally, as we saw after the national championship.
0: Correct. So what then would happen is what what will be happening right now would be whatever's behind the scenes to get that beef squashed. That beef will get squashed. Angel's going to come back. She's going to play. She's going to score 40, 50 points in a game. She's going to have an outstanding game. The reporters are going to ask, hey, where's she been? Whatever, whatever. Hey, it doesn't matter. She's here now. Don't worry about it. Let's talk about her score in 45 points in this game. And it will never be talked about again. And that is how you and every other fan can know there was some shit that happened, and it's over. And that's, that's the mom of a big family or the dad of a big family going, all right. These two sisters got to got to fighting, and it's over. We're not going to talk about it anymore. We're going to move on, and we're going to live our life. We're going to be our family, and we're going to su- succeed despite it. So one of two things is going to happen. She's going to come out. She's going to apologize. Everybody's going to love her. They're going to go forth, and they're going to play. Or whatever personal things are going on that has a beef, they're going to deal with it behind the scenes. They're not going to say anything about it to anybody ever. If you don't ever hear about it again, know that that's what happened. If she's playing, you wanted her to play. She's back on the court. Enjoy it for as long as you can. And let's hope that regardless of what it is, Angel Reese can contribute to LSU winning a back-to-back national championship. That's that's I think is is it I don't know what yeah. else can be said and, other than that. In the and words think- of
1: Jordan Presley our most recent commenter there seems to be some strange things going on behind A the scenes at the Circle K but I'll respect the decision to keep it private.
2: Indeed. What we won't keep private though is the fact that the Pelicans absolutely uh just humiliated the Sacramento Kings last night. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Ninety nine to 93. Um, I'll, I'll break some of this down if you'd like. Uh, I found I, it to be. Go ahead. I would like,
0: but before we do that,
2: there's one thing that I, I, I would like to do.
0: Okay. Um, you remember back a couple of weeks ago when Zion was out for personal reasons? Sure. And everybody was speculating on that too? We did. Well, while no one has said anything about that and given any kind of real confirmation about what happened, uh, I think it is safe to say that at this point, even without outright confirmation, that the baby was the reason that Zion was out. And here's the reason why I say that. Zion's girlfriend, Akima, earlier this week posted to her Instagram channel a beautiful picture of herself with a nice little baby arm, just kind of creeping up on her chest. Mm-hmm. Not in like a crazy, naked, new mom kind of way. She was dressed and, and lovely, yep. but just a little baby arm, just about that much baby arm, pop right there on the chest. So unless she's borrowing somebody's baby to troll people on the internet, which it's 2023, um, I think it's safe to say at this point that Zion and Akima have had uh, their baby girl, and congratulations welcome to the world, maybe Williamson. I'm assuming that's going to be the last name because they're not married yet. All right. Now on to basketball.
2: Yes. So uh, last night you had a a little bit of a joint decision by all the Pelicans that tonight was going to be the get right game. Um, and they certainly did get right. While this one was very close in the first quarter, we saw Sacramento actually win the first quarter by two points. From there on, it was all Pelicans, with a margins of victory per quarter anywhere from 16 all the way up to 22 in the third quarter, which has been traditionally the Pelicans' trap quarter where they tend to sequester leads. Uh, Willie Green had the team firing on all elements last night. You had the starters who played at most 30 minutes, great for a rest night, great to not overwork the body. Zion Williamson, 30 minutes, 26 points. You had Brandon Ingram, 26 minutes, 31 points, a plus minus of 33. And also someone who we do not give enough credit to, but I mean, this man has been playing absolutely outside of his mind, is Herbert Jones. 18 points, 27 minutes, four assists, seven rebounds, Not to mention, two big block shots. I was waiting on that
0: block stat
2: because I know my man had them. Not on Herb. And you have Herb. You have Jose Alvarado who made his return to the lineup last night. He got into the action, still had a plus eight coming fresh off an injury. They've been out for two months. It is truly an opportunity for this Pelicans team to finally be on the right move. And if I have better news to offer before we get into maybe some of the less good news, Both C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance were seen as full participants today in Pelican's practice. Yep, Now that is great news. Ahead of schedule, ahead of schedule. Now, I will say I do speak Pelican's medical staff. (laughs) We are about a few days away from reevaluating two weeks, which actually means three to six weeks minimum. So that means if we're at full participation in practice and we have about a week ramp up period, I think you're going to see most likely first CJ McCollum, which is a bit of surprise due to the severity of his injury with the collapsed lung. I think he is most likely going to come back first, followed by Larry Nance. All speculation on my part, I will clarify. But this is an amazing sign and maybe a sign that the Pelicans medical staff, while there have been more injuries this year, are actually a little bit more prepared to deal with these injuries, which we've seen the shortcoming in previous years. If we can see a return by all of our starters, plus these now truly may I say developed bench assets, which I did not see coming into the year and have surprised me. Jordan Hawkins is playing at all NBA rookie levels. I'm pretty sure he'll be in the rising stars game come February. And that'll be a great opportunity. If you can have in two out of three years, the MVP of the rising stars challenge. I mean, this is a Pelicans team to be watched for. And right now, seven and seven playing Sacramento on a back to back, um, tomorrow back to back with the same team, not back to back nights, but, um, Man, this is this is going to be an interesting team, and well, I'm really excited.
1: Well, that must be good news, because Jordan Presley also said New Orleans desperately needs the Pelicans to be good. This town would explode if they made it to prominence. And then the I Easter Bunny... Did the, this emoji i'm not sure why
2: up with, our, with our last uh round of commentary with lsu but yeah i mean dave, dave what's your thoughts on the pelts so far uh, have you gotten a chance to watch some of the games you're getting get into a little bit
0: so uh i will answer that question in a moment i just want to say to all of the listeners out there whether you're commenting or not Absolutely. thank you very much for your participation we may not always agree on points but we can agree on one thing and that's, we love you guys. We can't do it without you guys. And so so space Jam is
2: a great movie.
0: Uh, which one? The Michael Jordan one or the LeBron James? If you say LeBron one, James, we're not talking ever again. There's
1: movie, and I don't know what you're talking about. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I like some weird you. fan film that got released recently, but there's only one true Space Jam movie, it came out in
2: the 90s.
0: All right. So, Donald, ask me that question one more game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Have you have you sort of been getting into the Pelican season here? I know that you're obviously busy with the Saints, but you also do do some work with the Pel's. Sort of what's your uh, engagement level right now? And you know, you being a little bit closer to the city than we are here in Baton Rouge, me and Brett, just kind of what's your what you feeling up there?
0: So uh, glad you asked. Yes, I am uh, also involved in the Pel's as a fan and also somewhat organizationally um, as the PA announcer of the New Orleans Saints. I also have the duty of being the backup PA announcer for the Pelicans. So if their primary PA announcer is unavailable for whatever reason, or if they want to call an audible, if they want to do something a little different, or if they need to rest their PA announcer, um, then I get a chance to get in there. And I, I'm actually uh, I'm going to break a little news about that here in just a second. Nice. Um, but I do follow the Pelicans. Uh, I've followed them. I, I, I played basketball, believe it or not. I know I don't look like I did. Back in high school, uh, it was my favorite sport. Uh, I enjoyed football, but as far as like playing went, I, I really enjoyed basketball. Because uh, basketball, you could play by yourself if nobody else was available. <laughs> it's much harder to play football by yourself. Um, I have really enjoyed watching over the last two to three seasons – uh, the way Willie Green has started to put this team together and the way that this team has evolved. And to your point about uh, this this unexpected explosion of talent coming off the bench, um, amazed by it, some of it. I expected great things coming out of Jordan Hawkins. I yep. said before the season got started, keep your eyes on Dyson Daniels. I definitely thought we were going to see mm-hmm. a lot of him. I don't know that – I think that Jordan Hawkins has – Played more like I thought Dyson Daniels would play than the other way around. Um, But they are fantastic and amazing. You'd have said, Hey, we're going to get Matt Ryan. I'd have been like, "Mm, Doubt it. Doubtful. I have been impressed by what he's been able to do. I hate the fact that he is going to be out. It was announced yesterday. He's got a right mild calf strain and he's going to miss anywhere from 10 days to two weeks, which I think sucks. Um, But if CJ is going to be coming back ahead of schedule,
2: that production return. I mean,
0: right. I'm, I'm okay because CJ behind the arc is a killer. He's been making it rain from three point land. It's been For monsoon decade, season yeah. every time he's been playing. So if Matt Ryan can't be in, but CJ is all right. Well, well that's that's cool. We're going to be okay. Um, I'm excited to see it. I think honestly uh, folks should not get so excited about the game Wednesday night against the Kings, that return yep. matchup. We did. We put a we put a big old hurting on them where we beat them by almost 40 points. I don't think that's gonna happen again. This is not mm-hmm. a game that we're predicting later. We're gonna predict the in-season tournament game that's gonna be on Friday, which is gonna be their last scheduled in-season tournament game. But because of that game and Thanksgiving being on Thursday, I think you're going to see a very different Pelicans team on the court than you saw when they played last. And that's probably going to be in large part to preserve a lot of the stars, the energies, make sure you don't have any injuries going into that final in-season tournament game. You want to give that your absolute best. Yep. So, if that game is a little closer, if the Pel's lose a close one to Sacramento, uh, don't be surprised. Not going to be the end of the world. Wait and see what they do on Friday. To the point that I was uh, making, uh, despite being 7-7 seven seven on the year, the Pels are currently 2-1 and one right hmm. now in in-season tournament play. Uh, this Friday, they're going to be in the West Coast taking on the Clippers as part of their last scheduled in-season tournament game. And depending on how that finishes, the Pels could pick up another tournament game In the SKC, and that could be either December 4th or 5th, the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans are uh, both run by the same game day operations team. Now, my director for the New Orleans Saints is also the director for the New Orleans Pelicans. Her assistant follows with her both teams. They have been in contact with me to ask my availability for both of those days. Nice. There is a very strong chance that if the Pelicans pick up an extra game in the SKC on either December 4th or 5th, that I will be calling that game adding Very a little bit cool. of energy Very and flair cool. to the SKC. Not confirmed yet. It may happen. It may not happen. Uh, I don't know why they reached out to me. I don't know if it was because the PA announcer is unavailable, if he's got prior obligations, uh, or uh, if it's just a, a – it could be for any number of reasons. Yeah. But if they do, uh, we will definitely be posting it on our social channels. so make sure that you follow us on all your favorite social channels ticker below um, and we will definitely let you know if you need to run out get your tickets we would love to see some BSN signs in the SKC uh, I think that would be pretty BA if you know what I'm saying
2: oh absolutely so, are we ready to look back uh, I think we are just a little bit what what oh. we got
1: sorry audio listeners my friend was off but we got Jordan Presley saying off topic now but do you have any bull prediction for LSU And I'm not going to go into the whole thing again, but I'm just going to say. He joined the show late. I'm just going to say, Jordan, you want to root for Arkansas this Friday? I believe it's Friday. It's a very long shot, but if they somehow beat Mizzou, but if New Mexico can beat Auburn, anything can happen. Um, If Arkansas beats Mizzou, then it looks, and assuming Tulane. And LSU wins out. No, Tulane wins out.
0: Well, LSU would still have to win. Oh yeah, LSU, Both
1: LSU. both teams win out, then you would see them go to the Peach Bowl to battle for the rag one other time. LSU and Tulane
2: could be and interesting. with a little, little bit of it. extra help. With a little bit of extra help, I'll give my quick bowl prediction. I won't make it very long here. As of right now, I see LSU needing help, probably with at least one Louisville loss. Or two Florida State losses, we don't know what they're going to look like with Jordan Travis to be able to propel themselves into the New Year Six conversation. I think if they manage to fall just short of the New Year Six conversation, you're going to have a good chance to see something like LSU Notre Dame, LSU versus the Big Ten West champion, like we saw last year with Purdue. I re- Really hope we don't have to play Iowa because that would just be unfair and a waste of Jordan Dan of Jane Daniels to see us versus the team that can barely score ten. You know, it it would be a unique opportunity if we're able to play in one of those good games, be it against Notre Dame, even if it's not a New Year's Six Bowl. I think Brian Kelly Bowl would be a fun one. I think it would be very fun if we do get into New Year's Six. And as much as all of us in Louisiana would love to see the rag battle one more time. How about LSU versus, I don't know, Oregon, if they were to lose the Pac-12 championship or they don't make
0: it? You mean the Heisman Trophy winner versus the wannabe Heisman
2: Trophy winner? Exactly. Two Heisman Trophy winners versus each other. That would be a great game. You would have the opportunity. Hold on. Don't no. even, don't go, even
0: go anywhere else. I saw a post, and I can't remember. I was so angry when I saw it that I didn't even pay attention to who said it. But there was some national sports pundit that said that uh, Jaden Daniels wouldn't even be holding a clipboard in Washington or Oregon. Yeah,
2: that was the biggest clown take of the week. I
1: that mean, dude, absolute clown. Come I, at I me, just, bro.
0: Come
2: at I me. just,
1: I just hope Bo Nix gets enough time away from his retirement home to make the trip to New York. You know, I, I hope they give him enough visitation hours for that.
2: Exactly, and you know, look, I think a lot of other great matchups are sitting there in the New Year Six Bowl. Um I'm going to say it, and I know everyone's not shocked here. LSU's out of the playoff contention, but we have a lot of great bowl game opportunities. Um, I'm not even going to rule out if Florida State falls off the rails and you see them uh, take two losses here back-to-back against Florida, against Louisville. You could play Florida State in a rematch, same season rematch, not entirely off the table. It would take a little bit of help, but it's possible. So I don't want hey. that. The next two that. weeks are going to be complete I chaos do. in college Double football.
1: or nothing for Salehvi or whatever his name. It is. It
2: wouldn't be quite fair. Chris wouldn't be quite fair without their uh, starter. Correct. Yeah. It would be an asterisk bowl. Oh, you couldn't
1: beat us with George Travis, but you beat us with our second stringer. Yeah, it would be the
2: excuse bowl. For I don't him. want it. I don't so, want it. Don't want So, so we'll see There's, what LSU has no win coming up. I would just be paying close attention to positions in the CFP rankings 16 and up as wherever LSU gets closer to 10. That's the better chance they have to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Are we ready to look back? Uh, Yes. Dave, you got one?
0: Just, well, well, I don't have one. We did ask, by the way, Jordan, uh, if y- there was anybody that you wanted to see LSU or Tulane play in the bowl games, let us know in the comments. We would love to get y'all's takes as well. Before we look back, no self-respecting fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to flirt a green lawn and landscaping. Chris and the crew at Flirt of Green do a whole lot more than just mow lawns, which I can tell you from first hand experience, they do. Do very, very well. Uh, they also help with landscaping, installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation, installs and repairs, stone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. Or for more information, call Fleur de Green at 504-240-8044. That's 504-240-8044. You can also email F. D G landscape at gmail.com. Tell them David storm sent you flirt of green lawn and landscape. They love what they do and you will too. I do.
2: And of course, as we are away from echo tango this week, we do want to of course give one final shout out to Tommy Talley, everyone over there, as well as everyone who has noticed you're currently wearing them this week. Dave, we wear them when we do our live show all together, the brand new headphones we got in. Could you give a quick shout out to the guys who hooked us up with them? Want to send a shout out to Ben Stowe and the crew over
0: at NLFX, NLFXPro.com. That's where all you audiophiles and aficionados can go to get the best deals on gear. Ben Stowe and the crew over there, they are big supporters of the Boot Sports Network. Tell them that David Storm met down in New, well, he thinks I'm in New Orleans. Tell him that uh, David Storm down in the boot sent you, and he will definitely take care of you. Thanks so much for hooking us up, Ben, and we hope that you guys are enjoying uh, the audio quality from our new headsets that everybody will wear when we get back together. And some of us aren't in Utah.
1: <laughs> and that's no, the I'm reason literally. we're not at Echo Tango, folks. I'm not. We know, I'm not they, they still love us there. We still love them. But Pac-2 champions. <laughs> No, stop it. All right. Oh, time to look
0: back. Time to look back. Here we go. We predicted seven games last week, and as we're getting closer to the end of the season, I guess That's Donald want right. to keep picking seven games because they need to start padding the stats to catch it's me.
2: getting very close.
0: All right. So we're going to start with Nichols versus Southeastern. Uh, we were all on the Nichols bandwagon, and an amazing thing happened here, Donald. Oh, yes. A miracle, a Thanksgiving miracle. Tell them what happened. The score was 21-16 NSU, Nichols State. Uh, I thought it was going to be a much higher scoring game. I went 45-23. I was off by 31. Mm. Donald, you were a little bit more down to earth. You said Nichols, 33-27. You were off by 23. Producer Brett.
2: How about him?
0: Pulled one out of his backside, said Nichols 21-14, was off by two, gets the first ding of the
2: Congratulations week. Congratulations to producer Brett.
0: out to producer Brett. <laughs> Louisiana Christian versus Baker. Our mm. friends down there uh, in Louisiana Christian had a hell of a season. Yep. Sadly, it ended at the hand of the Baker Wildcats, 55-28. to 28. We all thought LCU was going to win this one, so we're going by virtue of point spread. Yep. Uh, as fantastic as Brett did with the Nichols game, uh, not so much here. He said LCU 31-17, way undershot it. He was off by 35. It's right. Donald, you said 38-34 LCU. You were off by 23. I said 42-31 to and was off by was 16. Off. So – I get the ding on that one. One for me, one for Brett. UL versus Troy in this one. Uh, you guys both thought UL was going to win it. Mm. And Donald, if you would have picked Troy, who was statistically a stronger team. Why did I not pick team,
2: Troy again? What, was I, what mind control did y'all have over me to make me pick UL?
0: I did no such thing. I can't speak for Brett, but I not I. Are we uh, sure I didn't I picked pick Troy? I picked – no, I'm sure. Go back and watch the show. Oh, I know. I know.
2: It it just hurts to say it.
0: I picked Troy 38 to 13. I won just by virtue of being the only person to pick Troy. The score was 31-24. You said 30 to 27. Yeah. You picked Troy. You'd have won it by point – or you'd have won it outright Uh, because you were closer. You had four. Brett said UL 21-6. Not even
2: close. Yeah. Goodbye.
0: Two for me, one for Brett. We move on to game four. ULM versus Ole Miss. Uh, we all knew Ole Miss was going to win this
1: one. Uh,
0: that was n- no shock there. 35-3 was the final.
1: Uh, Donald, you that thought this was going to be a much I'm higher... I thought we beat unbeat at home.
2: I, it was <laughs> the anniversary myself. of that game. It was the anniversary of that game. Donald, the Warhawks were going to use it to motivation, but...
0: Oh no, 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 no. Did not happen, Captain. We all picked Ole Miss. We all knew it wasn't gonna happen. Donald, you thought it was gonna be a higher scoring game. You said fifty-five, mm-hmm. twenty-one, you were off thirty-eight. I said forty-one to seventeen, Ole Miss was off by twenty. Yep. And for an unprecedented second time wow. in the prediction segment, producer Brett somehow just just Beat it me by seems one my point.
1: Superiority has caused some controversy.
0: Hey, time out with your superiority. This ding will have you tied with me. Mm. Uh, 47-10, you were off by nineteen. I was off by twenty. It was damn close. Damn close. But two dings for Brett, two dings for David. We'll uh, see if we can get Donald on the board here. We actually
2: No we do. comment. I'm just not here this week we, checking out. We do.
0: We get you on air eventually. Tulane versus FAU. Twenty four to eight was the final. Uh, Brett thought it was going to be—you both kind of thought it was going to be a higher-scoring game. We yep. all kind of sort of did. Uh, Brett said Tulane 34-27 was off by 29. You said 35-22. to You were off by 25. Mm. I said 24-20 was off by 12. Peg Tulane dead on the money. Bing! You got it. Three for me, two for Brett, and i uh, still waiting for Donald.
2: Yeah, we're, we're going to get there. LSU versus
0: Georgia State.
2: Georgia State.
0: This one also had a, I don't believe it ever happened before. The score was 56 to 14. The person who was closest with a prediction of 52 to seven.
2: Mm. Charlotte Hall. That's right. From the audience. From the audience. So Charlotte gets a
0: follower ding this week. She was off by 11. Uh, Donald predicted 800 yards of offense for LSU, which, as we established, did not happen. He also thought LSU was going to go over big 68 to 27. They did go over big. They just didn't go over that big. He was off by 25. Mm. Brett said 74 to 17. LSU was off by 21. I said 58 to 24. I was off by 12. So, I take the in show ding for that one. So, uh, four for me, two for Brett, one for Charlotte. I did say that Donald was going to get on the board this episode. It has to be in game yep. seven That's Pelicans tough. versus Nuggets. It was uh, an in season tournament game. The Pelicans won it 115 to 110 against the defending national
2: champions. Uh, the Donald. The savant pick of producer Brett. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, no, he was He Let's was furthest that. away. He was furthest away from the actual score. Uh Brett's prediction,
1: uh again, the final was one fifteen to one ten. You, you see, it, it's like an old it's like an old car after it's so wrong that after it flips over then it becomes right. So oh. I think I should get the ding.
0: Thirty-two to eighteen. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's what Brett thought. He thought the Nuggets were going to win 32 to 18.
2: Didn't even get the first quarter.
0: Uh-uh. If I'd have picked the right team, if I'd have stuck with the home team, I'd have been on mm. like Donkey Kong. I said 119 to 112. Denver, I was off by six. Donald was off by 17. But by virtue of picking the right team, he does get the ding. He said 123 to 119. Not a complete failure again. Not a complete failure. Still on the board. So, again, a shout-out to Charlotte Hall, who gets a follower ding this week. And then, as far as weekly standings, I went 4 of 7. Donald, 1 of 7. Brett, an outstanding 2 of 7. I mean, it's not really good for you. That's that's pretty good. Uh, The overall weekly winner totals for now, I am sitting at 38 of 70. Donald at 24 of 70. Brett at ten of thirty-nine, and if you two gentlemen want to check the scores but, at any point, I keep the nerve I keep the notes saved week to week, and and I think. I, we Aggregately, though,
1: aggregately, since I've made less predictions, we have to we have to use the median
0: we'll outcome. Per- no, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll go, go by, by percentage. percentages. So I'll I'll do. I've got my little trusty dusty calculator, and I'll, I'll give right some update here.
2: on the competition because obviously this is our inaugural season. We're kind of making the rules up as we go, as any. Yeah. Righteous person would do. So, right now, we have decided that the Boot Sports Network Prediction Championship will be a double belt, a fall belt. Kind of like that, but different. Kind of like that one.
1: I'm Uh, looking to add to my
2: collection, baby. So, we go now officially from NFL preseason, unless there's a summer competition that we want to cover for some reason, maybe the World Cup in a few years, something like that. Uh, basically August until the Super Bowl, and then we will reopen a spring window, which will take us all the way from spring sports, be that college basketball, baseball, etc until the end of the college baseball season for the local Louisiana teams, which then we will go into uh, the end of the season. And if you pull the double belt, well, good for you. But at least the single one, we'll see if that'll go straight to Dave or if there's a chance for some mischief, as we have now a few extra months.
0: Still plenty of time. It could be anybody's belt. Uh, Brett, in case you were wondering, you are currently at 10 of 39, sitting at 25.6%. Uh, win percentage. So good for you. Mm. Donald at 24 of 70 is, uh, let's see what that is. So I'm beating Donald right now, right? No, you're not. Donald is
2: 34.3%.
0: Donald is 34.3%. And then uh, me, I'm over 50%. 38 divided by 70 equals Fifty four point. happens two eight. to
1: be associated with the NFL mm-hmm. that's totally not rigged.
2: Just throwing that one out there. And just happens And
0: I totally to, can't bet on games, and I and totally can't to make any money off wager.
2: Going to the zoo to pay the zeepers a visit, but, you know, I, I don't know what he says. He says bet on him, not against him. We'll see how it goes. And on me, not against me. Haters going to hate, bro. It is what it
0: is. I'm used to it. All right. Y'all ready to look ahead? You two champs want to try to shut me out for a week and catch up a little bit?
1: Yeah, we're approaching two hours, so let's make this look ahead real quick.
0: (laughs) All right. We got seven games on the the docket today. First, and they're all good ones.
1: They are all all so good. We're
0: starting with the Bayou Classic. That's how good these games are. Southern versus Grambling. Saturday, one PM live from the Caesars Superdome. National it's the battle audience, NBC. on the Bayou. all right, the Bayou Classic. This game is as NOLA as Red Beans and Rice and as heated a matchup as Saints Falcons. Both teams are five and five, four and three in SWAC. This one's really just for bragging rights because um but no for these two teams it's important. Yeah. Grambling has lost three of their last five. Southern has won three of their last five. However, they've lost their last two and their head coach. Coach Eric Dooley, as we reported last week, was relieved of his duties during a very awkward time. An even even more awkward coaching situation for the Jags would follow. From a prediction standpoint, though, this makes things kind of interesting. What type of Jaguars team are we going to see in the Dome? Southern leads grambling overall in the classic 25 to 24, and they've won four of the last five. Some are close. Some are blowouts. If there's anything to give the edge to, it's uh, besides bragging rights. It's what are these guys playing for this season? Yep. Neither one will have any real big postseason push with a win. So I say Southern has the best alternative motivation. They're playing for their interim head coach for this game, safeties coach Sean Wallace, who, as we reported last week, was recently diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And it is undergoing chemotherapy, but will be their coach for the classic. It may be his last game, the Jags. They don't want to let him go out like that. So all that said... Donald, you want to weigh in first? Brett, you gotta take or y'all want me to go first?
2: Southern. Okay. Is going Brett, to this you, game. Are you wearing Columbia blue because you are going to be applying for the coaching job?
1: <laughs> I I may as well, bro. I I am shopping my resume around, you know. I just send it to the AM. I mean, in fact, Next week's episode, let's let's put five minutes in for me to read the letter I sent to both AM and LSU. I think it's common. Did you again. actually really send a letter to AM? I, I sent a letter, a um as I did last time, three letters of recommendation with the letter mm-hmm. and an official resume of printed copies and screenshots of my NCAA scores in NCAA two thousand eleven through fourteen, as well as NFL two K five. So um anyway okay. My right, prediction Southern is going to beat Grambling. I mean, it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go 27, but not too close. 27 to 4. Nope, nope. 27 to
2: 17. Mm. All right. I'll let it dig go. It. All right, Donald, you're up. So while my brain tells me to pick Grambling on account of all the conditions going on at Southern, and generally the confusing nature of the conditions is that are not things that normally we see fall into place. I cannot let the fact that I am indeed the child of a Southern alumni get me like that. This will be a true testament to the willpower of the Southern University of Jaguars. And again, it hurts me to have to say it, but I think it will come on technicality for me. I am taking the Jaguars in what I am going to put as essentially a score bowl, and I'm going to give them a 28-26 victory.
0: Ooh, I like it. I said Southern as well. We're all on the Southern mm. bandwagon. 3524 for Dave. All right. Moving on. Nichols at Southern Illinois. Your six and four Southland Conference Champion Colonels from Nichols State traveled to take on the Southern Illinois Zalukis. Salukis.
2: Long dog. Long dog.
0: <laughs> it, it looks for, from what their mascot looks like. It looks like a husky wolf collie hybrid thing. I don't even know. It looks like the evo- It looks like some random evolution. Sorry, I, would, I was responding
1: to my dad. when I'm going to show up to his
2: house after the show. What, what game is this? This is Nichols and Southern Nichols Illinois. in Southern Illinois in the first round of the FCS playoffs.
0: Correct, first round of the FCS championship, and I'm going to say it like I said it last week. Nichols has picked the right time of the year to be playing the right type of ball. Neither team are seated in this tournament, but it seems like everybody and a mama want to be discounting the Colonels.
1: Nichols, thirty-one twenty-seven.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. You're going to find uh, the rest Shout
1: of the Shout out to prediction. Jordan Presley, the Nichols alumni.
0: Okay. Uh, and I can see why everybody wants to be discounting the Colonels in this one. SIU statistically has a better quarterback wide receiver duo in Baker Hartrup. Nichols is going to have to watch that. SIU's leading rusher is also averaging 5.2 yards per carry, which does help to open up that passing game. And to make matters worse, it's going to be about 45 degrees at 2 p.m. kickoff. You know how we fare in the cold. It's not going to be easy or pretty, but I want to believe. I want to believe in Nichols State for at least one more week. Give me Nichols thirty-one twenty-one. It's very close to your
2: prediction. He's
1: the stealing scores now,
2: Donald. And while it's very brave mm-hmm. to take Nichols, and I, I wish the Colonels the absolute best, I think that Southern Illinois on their home field has just a little bit of a better chance here. Again, the weather playing to their advantage. It's going to be close. I think Nichols will not let this one fall apart. They will keep the battle up, but they will ultimately fall, I have them losing a 30 to 23 point game. 31, 21,
0: 30, 23, 31, 27. That's crazy how close we all are. All right. I hope somebody gets an actual like double ding dead on. Yeah, that would would be good. All right. Third game of the week, ULL versus ULM.
2: In-state matchup.
0: Indeed. This one also is going to be at 2 p.m. on Saturday. What's that?
1: ULL let me down last week. They're not going to let me down twice. ULL, let's go ahead say 28 to 20, 18. 28 to 18. I see a two-pointer in this game.
2: It looks 10-point okay. differences this week. It does. Uh, this one is also
0: going to be at 2 p.m. on Saturday, and a losing streak will be broken in Lafayette. As the Cajuns will host the UL Monroe Warhawks in the last game of the current Cajun Field, ULM has lost every game since week two. That is a nine game losing streak. Whereas ULL has lost the last, they have lost, uh, yeah, they've lost the last three, four of their last five. It's going to be the last game of the season for both of these squads, and it's the swan song for the current iteration of Cajun Field. ULL is going to run all over it, just ripping the turf up with their cleats. It's going to be a big day for the run game on their way to 500, finishing 6-6 six and six at the expense of the Warhawks. That's what I think. Donald, do you want my score first, or you want to give me yours? I'll give you my score first. Look, I
2: think that ULL is in a unique position, because while you mentioned it's their last game, they are technically one win away from bowl eligibility. Not to say that they would get one because they are in the Sun Belt, but it, it would be eligible. Look, I think that ultimately ULL has played a strong season, but their mistakes have caught up to them time and time again. I look at a team like ULM, a team that has played many games very close, one where they had a chance to win against a team like Appalachian State that took a last-second field goal to get the victory. Honestly, I think this is one where ULM shows up. They say, hey, we have nothing to lose. We're not going to a bowl game and we know it, but we played a very hard team against Ole Miss last week, and while Ole Miss took the definitive victory, they did have a lot of trouble with ULM in the first quarter. I think you're going to see a lot of the same type of play style from ULM where they're just out there to play the game of football. No pressure on them. I have the Warhawks pulling a major upset denying ULL Bowl eligibility. I have them winning 32-27.
0: Okay. I went a different route. I think ULL is going to be all over ULM. They have not played well this season. Why start now? ULL 41-13. to 13. Welcome to bowl eligibility. Hopefully we'll see you the in the locations. postseason. All right, next game, number four. Tulane versus UTSA. Mm. I have been nervous about this game for a month, and Tulane, I'm not even just playing. Just win
1: it. Just win it. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for you. I'm just saying I want to see the Battle of the Rag just just do what you got to do.
0: You going to give me a score or no?
1: I'm going to say 17 to 14, Tulane. Wow. Because exactly. they don't have their star quarterback this week, right? They do. Two. All right, they do. Um, Tulane does. Michael Pratt's playing as far as I know. I, know, I, thought, oh. I, I don't know why I didn't. Ta- okay, in that case, I, I'm going to revise that. I'm going to do 27-24 Tulane. All right.
0: So Michael Pratt's playing in the other scheme. The other team scores 10 more points. Pratt, right if you only knew. All right, you're going to know in a minute. I have been nervous about this game for about a month and I'm not even playing. For a lot of squads, conference championships have either been decided or it's semi-obvious who's going to take them. But despite being 10-1 and atop the AAC with an undefeated 7-0 conference record, the AAC championship is two lanes to lose. We talked about that earlier. And all of the different scenarios. um, Tulane is going to have to, um, they're going to have to win if they want to guarantee to stay in. They are still going to have to play SMU uh, if they do. And that's going to be another great game to talk about next week. Their defense, that has been what's really made me nervous as of late. But last week, they showed me they still have what it takes to get it done, albeit against a mediocre team. This game is going to be a big one. Friday afternoon, 2.30 in New Orleans. The books keep it within three and a half. Somebody needs to get me a heart pill. Brett said Tulane 27-24. I said Tulane 27-21
2: you know, you all make this job really hard for me. I try and come in here with my insightful takes, my deep analysis, and then you want to go ahead and score block me. So let me go ahead and just be (laughs) that guy. Let me just be that guy. Said the original score block. No, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and get a little bit closer. So we want to do all this. I'm going to say Tulane 26-23, and they have the victory. Wow. You know, they don't cover. They're not a great team. They're a good team. They don't cover, but you know, 26-23, and I honestly you know, I think that's very realistic. This offense cannot score for some reason, but the defense is also unshakable. We'll see what happens this week. And I wish the best for Tulane. Go wait. What, was that a pick that you had before we even got into this? Uh, that was my number. That was my number I've had for the majority of the show sitting there. Um, wow. Because, you, you, know, I you
0: realize it. I mean, you're I got, not playing the strategy
2: here. No, there's not. A, there's not a great strategy. If but you I got don't if you don't dead on
0: double ding this, you're I'm not going to win it. That's right. If if they if one team scores over, it's it's Brett. If one team scores under, it's me. And you've got to be me, dead on for that one. That's right. God bless you, bro. Shoot or shoot. I'm, shoot your shot. All right. That's right. Game five: LSU versus Texas A and M. Brett, did you simulate this one? Yes. I doubt it.
1: Oh, you um, did. I I did it literally right before I left for the airport. Forty-two twenty-nine LSU first quarter. ANM goes for 2, makes it. We respond with 2. Second quarter, LSU makes 14. ANM makes 7. Third quarter LSU makes 12 points, ANM makes 7. Fourth quarter LSU makes 8, ANM makes 7.
0: Did Jaden Daniels get his 433 passing yards?
1: Bro, <laughs> well, well, right.
0: are you giving us a are you giving us a brain of bread as well?
1: Uh yes, I am going to go higher. I right. think Jaden is going to go – he's going to whip his thing out and run it across. It's it, Bro, I, I see this in the 50s. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 50 – hold on, wait, wait. Let me do some mental math. Plus 21, 42, 42 plus 7, 49 plus, let's say, 3. Let's say, yeah, 52. do forget to carry the one. Yeah, so let's say 52 – um, to 31 LSU. Oh, ooh, okay. That's a high score. We don't have a defense. Okay. While I'm doing the
0: analysis, do me a favor. I think this was the one that Charlotte Hall gave us a prediction for. Would you mind yeah. going back through the comments to find Actually, that for I have
2: me? that there. She gave uh, 42 Tigers, 24 Aggies. All right. So let's get into that. Charlotte Hall said give it to me again 42 for the Tigers 24 for the
0: Aggies 42-24 and just
1: a reminder to all the viewers viewing now not only will we take Charlotte Hall's we'll take y'all's if if anyone else is watching now is the time to comment your predictions you have about two minutes so Hurry it up. Yep, up.
0: And even if, you, if you're watching this after the live stream airs, we yeah, will still include in your comments. predictions 100%.
1: as we look back next week.
0: All right, uh, LSU-Texas A&M, here's another game I feel like won't be hard to pick the winner, but it will be tough to pick the score. With Jimbo being let go, we don't really know what kind of Aggies team is going to show up. They've had a very close loss to Tennessee last week. They've won three of their last five. Both losses have been one-score games. But then on the other side of the field, you've got Jaden Daniels playing in God mode right now, greatness G, On a O. different level D, God mode. Just trying to make one more point to solidify him at top of the Heisman conversation. You remove the Alabama game, LSU has won their last four by an average of almost thirty-eight points. Jaden Daniels is the best college football player in the country. Not because I say so, because the numbers. Say so. The stats say so. Trophy or not, if you think Jaden Daniels won't drop 500 plus yards of total all-purpose offense on this defense, between his rushing yards and passing yards, I believe you are sadly mistaken. LSU is favored by 11 and a half with an over/under of sixty-five, sixty-six and a half. Now, I believe the over-under, but there is no way that LSU is only going to win this one by 12. Not with everything Jaden is playing for. And I see this one in the 50s as well. I said LSU 51, Texas A&M 17.
1: Go ahead, Brett. And uh, Jessica Hall says 34 Tigers, 24 Aggies. 34 Tigers, 24 Aggies. Jessica Hall.
0: Jessica Hall said 34-24, was it? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. 34-24, 34-24, it is And really quick,
1: Donald, not to cut you off, but while we're speaking about Jaden, I do have a stat to throw out there. Of the okay. entire season NCAA 2013 record for yep. Jane Daniels in my virtual season, he had record stat of 4,251 yards uh, passing, previous holder 2001 quarterback 3,347, um, and he had record that of 35 passing TDs, previous holder, 2006 QB, previous record, 28. Shout out to Marcus. So
2: I know that's all virtual, but he was a god And, and I'm going to share some analysis on this LSU-Texas A&M game. We didn't cover it yet, but I feel like it is important if we're talking about predictions. And, of course, this is why I've held it for after you've already made your predictions. Um, <laughs> so, A&M starting wide receiver Evan Stewart has announced that he's going to hop into the transfer portal and I believe this is one that could open the floodgates with a few days to go here um, a very prominent player and a uh, and Twitter is currently clowning the man you, know, you hate to see it but that's kind of how this goes at this time of the year the doors are open, the portal is open and uh, players are beginning to jump out Now, on raccoons much different... run
0: from dumpster fires
2: that's right and on a much different and honestly much different and somber serious note I do want to mention this real quick um a&M linebacker Edrin Cooper, who's had quite a year. It was thought he might be able to get into that Dick Butkus Award trophy conversation for the best linebacker in the country. He had a update this weekend and that his girlfriend did tragically pass away in an ATV accident. Um, he's gone and posted a GoFundMe for the family on his personal Twitter. That's Cooper one um, So if you go out to his social media, you can find that GoFundMe there. So heavy hearts for the A&M program this week. A lot of dysfunction, as we've mentioned throughout the show, and otherwise in the professional way. I think this is going to be a really hard game for the Aggies to get up for. I think it's going to be one where they're going to have to really make some decisions. Why is it that you know they kind of you know are going to go out there and give their best for this game? I think they're going to play for their friends, for their family, and for those who have decided to stick around with the A&M program. Max Johnson is never known to stop playing. You saw him beat an A&M team whenever LSU was down and out a few years ago, and I think this is what you're going to see from him this day. I have a strong performance by the Tigers. I think Jaden Daniels goes for more records. He's trying to get a trophy and he knows what he's doing. He's going to take uh every single opportunity to do that. I have the Tigers 56 A&M 17. I think it's going to be a dominating performance. I think the cornerbacks in the backfield are starting to up their game while they're still very young. We see the experience piling on. I have, again, the Tigers 56. It's 17. also notable. MJ does pass four thousand passing
1: it's also notable to point out that last week we did play an f b s school not an f c s school so
2: that is true f b s sunbelt that's right i as much as I
0: hate it when you are that close to me in in predictions you said fifty six seventeen i said fifty one right. seventeen I, I, I love it because then I feel like yeah we're both on, we're on the same page, and I don't feel so crazy making these like Big number. Wow. Like, like, I'm not mad at that. I like, I like that. And, and our listeners, that was, that was Charlotte Hall gave us one, and then Jessica Hall was the other.
1: Yep. yep. Man, the All Halls. want
0: right. to make, make sure I get the names correct. Deck
1: the Halls with those predictions.
2: <laughs> that's right. they, they are indeed. And we have the big prediction for two the last Two games one. less
0: to go. Uh, we've got Saints-Falcons. Oh, yeah, that's, true. that's we got two to go. Uh, this game is another one that's got me making sure my heart pills are refilled for this weekend. Both teams coming off the bye. Both teams playing for top spot in the very disappointing NFC South. And both teams hate, 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 hate hate, each other. Uh, This one takes place in their yard, which doesn't make things any easier for us. As we mentioned, Derek Carr, Marshawn Lattimore remain questionable. Mike Thomas is out. On the Falcons' side, as of today, former Saint defensive tackle David Onyemata Joins cornerback D. Alford and quarterback Tyler he- or Taylor Heineke Ooh. as questionable on the injury report. Uh, if Heineke does not play, we'll see rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter, who started the season for the Falcons and has thrown for seventeen hundred forty yards, six tutties, six picks, and has an outstanding quarterback rating of thirty nine point three. But that was before being benched for Heineke. The Falcons have lost 4 of their last 5. The teams like Arizona, Minnesota, Tennessee and Washington, they have all been one score games though. No matter which quarterback we see, our defense needs to not eat on Saturday night, but yep. so that they go in hungry on Sunday because there's going to be lots to eat if they can force that if they can force the Falcons to air it out. That mm-hmm. is how I see the Saints winning a very close ugly one and staying on top in the NFC South.
1: Jan- Jameis yes. has something to prove assuming, he's
2: playing. assuming
1: At- he's playing Atlanta fans are the worst and they don't they show up but they don't show up like Tiger fans do if they are
2: trans they show up but they, they don't are show up yes
1: yes and uh, so the home field advantage is negligible and I don't know anything about the NFL but the way I'll talk about the Falcons make them sound like an incompetent dumpster fire A&M style so I'm gonna keep with the ten prediction that I didn't originally plan, but seem to have somehow wow. come up. I'm going thirty-one, 10. twenty-one. Who dat?
2: I guess I thought about good job. That right? earlier. That's a good first I, one for you. How about that? I thought about that yeah, earlier. Disgusting. That is not a bad prediction. That's not bad at all. Um, I'll give this one under the assumption that Jameis is playing, which gives, I guess, the most projected. Uh, I would guess. I mean, look, I think. Wait, wait, wait.
1: I'm going to go on to say the Saints somehow win the NFC through weird 2007 style college football shenanigans, but in the pros and goes on to win a Super
2: Bowl.
0: I think you were just looking for a reason to hold the trophy. (laughs) Yes. I think you're at like plus 5,000 odds for that one. That's a Cowboys
2: trophy, by the way. So, yeah, you can go and put that down. They're America's team. No, they're not. No, they're American. I'm no. American, and it ain't my team. Anyway, so uh, Saints Falcons. Look, I'm I, I I'm gonna say I think Jameis will play this game. I don't know if he'll play the whole game, but I'm gonna think Jameis comes in. Uh, the Saints are still lacking major offensive line protection. The running game and the passing game is suffering. I think, assuming that Pete Carmichael plans for Jameis to play, I think the game plan changes a little bit. Jameis as much as it is weird to say plays a lot more like drew than Derek Karst plays like drew and Pete Carmichael excelled with drew. I'm not going to say we see anything that we had never seen before from Jameis. I think if Derek plays, it's nothing we've never seen before from Derek, but I think there's something about Thursday week, obviously not on the actual day this week. I think that's a downplay by the NFL. I was really enjoying saints Falcons Thursday night football on uh, Thanksgiving. That was really fun, but we'll take it on Sunday afternoon. I think the Saints have this one under control, not dominant, but I'm going to take them 28 to 24. And deck the halls with more prediction. Jessica Halls,
1: that is, 24 21 Falcons. Oh, sorry. 24 what? 21 Saints. 24 21 Saints. Sorry.
0: I was about to say somebody's about to get her prediction. It's because she wrote
2: 24 Saints, 21 Falcons.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. 24 21 Saints.
2: Which also is in the realm of possibility. I mean, these teams. I don't see this game getting above thirty for either team. Personally, myself, no matter who's playing quarterback. So, hey, defensive, uh, defensive uh, left, right, a little bit so, of a boxing match.
0: I'm going to tell you right now. Don't expect Jameis Winston to start. I'm not going to say he's not going to play. Yeah. Don't expect him to I'm start. Sorry. Dennis Allen will keep every potentially, maybe, kind of, sorta injured player questionable until Mm -hmm. he has to, at the very last second, say that they are in. But when you look at a situation like Michael Thomas, if they're out, they're out. And he's going to let you know they're out early. There's no point in in waiting on something like that. If Derek Carr is questionable, and Derek Carr is the same Derek Carr he was a couple weeks ago who wanted to play with his AC shoulder sprain, he's going to play he's going to play and Dennis Allen's going to let him play
1: players like they're his wife. So (laughs) look, if it works,
2: that is a good flashback producer, Brett. Thank you for that.
0: Um, so I, I would not expect to see Jameis Winston start. I'm not going to say he won't play if Derek gets hit or hurt. Jameis will come in. Uh, but I'd be very surprised if Jameis started unless some big news comes up in the next day or two that we weren't expecting. Yep. Uh, that said, I don't expect a lot of offensive explosion from either team in this game. I think we're going to see some fantastic defensive stats from the Saints. Yeah, but uh, scoring is going to be kind of held to a minimum. I like these 28-24, 24-21s. Mine was 23-17 New Orleans. How about that? So uh, let's keep it right there and see how that goes. All, All right. right. Last Brett, one. Our last game is a basketball game. Hang back. Listen, let Donald and I go first, then give your production. 105 to 97
1: Pelicans.
0: Heard that. Lock it in. All right. 105 to 97 Pels. That's actually not the world's worst prediction for a basketball game. All right. This is Pels at Clippers. This is the final in-season tournament of group play scheduled for Friday, November 24th. And it is going to take place in Florida, or in, uh, excuse me, yeah. California, as we discussed. The Pels are seven and seven, seemingly getting back to power basketball. The Clippers are five and seven, three spots down from the Pels in the Western Conference. They're four and one at home, however, and they've been averaging one hundred and three and a half points to the pels or excuse me, one hundred and thirteen and a half points per game to the Pels, one hundred and thirteen point three. The injury bug being what it's been, we're going to need the best of our squad for this final IST matchup. The Clippers, they're going to be without shooting guard Brandon Boston Jr. and center Mason Plumley. The Pels will be without Trey Murphy III, probably, and Matt Ryan, definitely. CJ, as we discussed, still listed as out Mm -hmm. for this Wednesday against the Kings, but that status could change for this game as he was a full participant in Tuesday's practice. Larry Nance is questionable for Wednesday, and you know how New Orleans deals with questionables. Let's see how he feels come Friday. The good news is we got a lot of our big names either in or back, like Zion, B.I., Jose Alvarado, Herbert Jones, Jonas Valanciunas. There's enough there that if they stay healthy against the Kings Wednesday, I think we will be A-OK on Friday. Y'all may want to come get ready to take in a Pels game with your boy. Because I might be there on the fourth or the fifth calling that game loud proud in the SKC. I think the Pels win this game on Friday handily 123 111.
2: Okay. Always a challenge playing, uh, predicting a game out. You don't know what's going to go on against Sacramento tomorrow, but I'm feeling pretty confident. Look. I think due to the new NBA sitting rules, the fact that you're not going to have Paul George and Kawhi both sitting or staggeredly sitting for this game puts a bigger challenge for the Pelicans. However, I believe more in the fact that Willie green has been confident and has been beating the Clippers at a high rate over the past few years. He has something about that team that he can nitpick and get right. Obviously it's been a little bit of a different coaching uh, tenure for the Clippers back and forth. You know, whoever's in there at the current moment, look, Honestly, the Clippers are a pretty good team, and they're a little bit better whenever everyone gets to play uh, compared to their normal, sort of like the Pels do, one star and the rest of the guys. I think the Pelicans right now are at some of their healthiest they've been. We'll see how healthy they are by Friday. I think this is a great opportunity for the Pelicans. However, I do think that it is close. It's not really the type of team that the Pels ever just blow out. I have it a lot closer. I have it at 113 to 111. Pelicans. Wow, that is very close. Yeah, we're both like that
0: one eleven, though, don't we? Yeah. All right. Ain't mad at that. All right. Everybody else out there, if uh, you haven't gotten in your predictions yet, it is not too late. Even though we have predicted our slate of games, you can go back and leave your predictions in the comments anytime and. We will make sure that they get added in to our looking back segment next time. Uh, You could be just like Charlotte Hall this week who got our listener ding uh, because she actually beat us in one of the predictions. So shout out to her. We'll see how you guys all do. Thank you all again for your comments, being a part of the program today, each and every one of you. We love having you a part of the Boot Sports Nation. Please make sure that you share the Boot Sports Network with all your friends. That way they can join you and us when we go live online and we're talking all things boot sports. They can be a part of the show here. If they're not big YouTube people, uh, we yep. are on uh, services like Spotify, yep. Apple podcast, Amazon music. The easiest thing to remember boots, sports, network.com That is your front row VIP ticket to boots to balls, all things boot sports. And you can even leave comments, questions, send us emails, your predictions. Find yep. us in all your preferred podcast arenas. <sighs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know the, we took forever to say that, but yep. happy Thanksgiving. Whether you bake it, you fry it, enjoy that dirty bird of yours. We'll and uh, back we in. look forward <laughs> Make a tur- Yes, make a turducken. All the birds. All the dirtiest yes. of birds. Uh, y'all get out there, enjoy it, spend some time with your friends, your family, your favorite sports teams, and then join us next week for another episode live here as we get ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage on, say it with me, Boots, Boots.
2: to Balls. To balls.